What's up, beautiful people? I'm Nathaniel Pearl. And I'm Sam Sheva. And welcome to Curious Chimps Podcast, a show where we explore the infinite complexities of the human experience. We do not endorse anything illegal. So please, consult the doctors, do your research, and for the love of all that is holy, be safe. All right, let's talk about drugs. Curious, curious, curious chimps. We're going to be like 50 when the technological uh, singularity hits. You going to plug into the Matrix? You guys are going to get your robot legs? Or plug out. Whoa. You'll have the two options, I guess. Maybe that's reality. (laughs) 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 We're getting too crazy too early. Okay. So we are our guest today. (laughs) What's up, Mathieu? Yes. Thanks for coming, man. I'm really happy to be here, guys. Sweet, brother. Yeah, it's my first podcast ever, and I'm glad it's with you guys. Hell yeah, that's honored. That's an honor, man. Yeah, honestly honored. Damn, I I remember, well, remember yesterday, even today, I was like, "Fuck, Matthew's coming!" Like this is like a big deal to me. I'm like, well, I was like running it. I so much to ask you, but then when we have too much to talk about, you kind of stumble on what to start with, you know. So I'm just gonna kind of let it flow. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're a really cool dude. You got like some crazy life stories and. You do uh, stunts and all that kind of stuff uh-huh. for movies. Like, yeah. it's endless what we could talk about. Yeah, yeah I just came back from an interview for a movie, and we talked about so many things. And when you talk about too many things, it feels they just stay on the surface of mm. everything, right? That's mm. true. Sometimes it's just nicer to pick one or two, and it takes you deeper. Yeah. I think we'll we try have, to do that here. We have that problem, though. Every we podcast. have that problem. Because yeah. <laughs> no, but like we we talk about something and we go on like forty minutes and we're like, oh shit, we, <laughs> there's so much more to talk about. But it's always perfect, you yeah, know. It's, of course, yeah. it's. I rather know like a lot about one small thing than just like cover a wide spectrum, you know. I guess it depends on mood. I, sometimes I feel like I just tag stuff. It's like a little ego reaction. It's like, oh, I can make that more interesting. Mm. It's like, hey, that thing you're talking about. What about this? <laughs> and you're like, oh. Yeah. But you are veritably changing the subject. So it's like maybe you're missing the point. Like what were we just <laughs> talking about? There was a momentum and energy. Like, uh, we have a hack here. Sometimes we just ask the guest, like, introduce yourself. I don't know if you want to, if you want to like resume your life. I know it's kind of a weird thing to do, but yeah. like. Well, um, yeah. I mean, my name is Matthew. I, uh, for work, I do stunts in the movie business. And I've been. Um, really? <laughs> a professional extreme inline skater, like a skateboard, but with uh, inline skates, all my life. I mean, not professional in my life, but I've been skating mm. most of my life. Um, I've been traveling to Peru for 10 years, every year. I've been doing a lot of meditation retreats um, and just being a human, you know, like mm. eating and watching a movie with my <laughs> wife. <and laughs> playing some guitar. Playing some guitar, yeah, actually, I play music too. That's what I'm saying. There's like a laundry list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That's not that's so easy, eh? <laughs> no, I mean, no, it's not easy because you say things you do. Yeah. Uh, and when it comes to things you are, then mm. it comes to a place where there's not much to say, actually, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Uh, Maybe for you. I like Some people have, uh, like, if you ask, like, what's your favorite movie? You're going to give an answer that's, like, reflecting of what you want to show about yourself. You know, like who has a favorite movie? We've all seen like hundreds of movies at this point, probably. I know I have. <laughs> so it's like, 
I mean, you've done so much inner work mm -hmm. that what is left to, what, what are you labeling? You're like, I'm a guy, you know, like, it's like, what are you, what are you? I am being me. Like, yeah. you, you give a weird, convoluted, <laughs> mystical, like philosophical answer. And then maybe if you're, if you're lucky, you're, you're like, oh yeah, we get what you're saying. I think, I think that the easiest thing to do is to say, hey, I'm, I'm Matthew. That's you know, there's a there's a story that that I like about this. There's a this guy, this Western guy, goes to a, a Buddhist retreat, retreat, right? So everyone has a room for them, and so the master comes when the guy arrives, and he looked at the guest with his eyes, piercing eyes, and that's the master, right? Like, Who are you? So the guy's like, okay, this is a deep question I have to answer, right? <laughs> well, I am, I am awareness. I am pure awareness. No, no, no. I am the whole universe. I am, I am nothing. And the, the old master just takes his book. No, I, I just need your name for the registration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? so, You're like, how do you spell that? <laughs> <laughs> there's no, for me, there's no need to say something spiritual about it. I can mm. just say, I'm Matthew. I, I skate. I, I play music. And I have a wife. And, you know, it's... Yeah. That's like the that's the human condition, eh? It's just uh, trying to create this this extravagant meaning behind a lot, like something as simple as "Who are you?" You know. <laughs> I think I think a lot of us have fun seeing the the play of ego within the spiritual context as well. I think we have a laugh at that now. It just becomes the joke, right? You're like, you're you're you want to expand and kind of feel intelligent within a certain field, mm. but this field destroys that on purpose. So you're like. <laughs> I, I just yeah. you just get stuck laughing you're like oh man i think we all get cut in that you know at the beginning it's a normal uh part of the journey i guess you go home and then suddenly you're the spiritual one and then you look at your family and hmm. you make you there's a huge separation idea there you know and judgments there too but it's not really a conscious thing eventually it gets brought up and then you see it for what it is but it's part of the the journey yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think that's why uh, I partake in ceremonies and stuff like that. It's just I feel what ayahuasca kind of does is it kind of it's not a slap in the face, but it's a reminder to 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 not veer on the right path, but to not get confused in the illusion of what you think re what you think you are and what you think reality is. It's kind of like it's like an ego check. It's just a reminder that hey, it, you're taking things a little bit too serious in life, and mm -hmm. just just carry on with that yeah. with that accepting and relaxed mentality you know yeah that it, can be so tough can, though it can do that and also sometimes it can reinforce also lots of ego mm. um, very subtle but still you know um, yeah I drink ayahuasca and I in Peru sometimes you see people that, not judgment but we all do that and you dress a certain way and then you become identify with someone who drinks ayahuasca and and it can be very subtle where you, you start identifying with that. Mm -hmm. you know? and it's not wrong or a moral thing. You know? It's just a natural thing sometimes to identify with what you're doing. Um, but I think at the end of the day, when you look yourself at the mirror and you're truly honest with, your, with yourself, you can see, oh, yeah, I, I put this on, you know? <laughs> another I, layer. Another layer. Yeah, yeah. There you go. It's true. Yeah. I, I, was, I remember one time I was in an interview for... Uh, a yoga teaching class and um you know she's this woman's asking me like what did you learn and i just i kind of start talking about like my experience in india and like my my course and stuff and then and she's like yeah but like what did you learn and i was like i was like didn't i just answer that and she's like no like talk to me about like the postures and the sutras and like she just starts kind of quizzing me a little bit 
and she's like, I don't care if you have like, you know, long hair and the mala beads and shit. And like I, I at the time I had long hair and mala beads. Like I wasn't wearing them, but I remember in the interview I kind of like went like this. I'm like, am I fucking wearing them right now? <laughs> and it was a, it was a check for me because it was unconscious. I just kind of like related to a type of person and started dressing like them. And I, 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 I feel like I bastardized everything I learned from Terrence McKenna, who was just like, don't fall into culture. Like you yes. are culture, add to it. But like, stop consuming and start creating. I, Even that might be an ego trip. I don't fucking know. You can't I, win. <laughs> I, I always had that mindset. And well, I mean, we all get caught up in it. But I remember years back when I started jujitsu, um, every my friend was talking to me about DVDs. He's like, you should get this DVD. What kind of gear do you have? All this kind of stuff. And then I'm just like, I just show up. I don't know. I just go to the class, do the jujitsu, and go home. Like, I don't have any of the fancy rash guards or the crazy shorts or the DVD sets. And that was just my mentality going in. I'm like, I'm, I'm here to learn. Like, you don't need to get... You see that a lot in sports. Like, people will get immersed in the culture of the sports. Like, when I used to cycle, too, they would wear... My friends would wear, like, the expensive gear with all the sponsors' names on it, get the special the special handlebars, the special cup holders. <laughs> and at the end of the day, we're just cycling. Like, like let's fucking cycle, man. We don't need to look like a pro, pro cyclist, you know? It's so funny how we just get caught up and then that translates into everything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then and then we can if we feel like it we can wear the beads I, I like mm. the beads I wear the beads that's fine but I don't put a meaning onto it or I don't make myself special or more spiritual than someone that doesn't wear beads you know mm. I just like the beads somehow it feels right to me some people it feels right to them yeah yeah. <laughs> it starts becoming personal yeah, yeah. I remember um, recently a friend of mine like he we, we kind of we kind of jive on a lot of this like uh, Indian culture, and he he has like these big rudraksh, like these huge seeds, and like the like his, like it's like yeah. a mala, but it's they're big. They come in shapes and sizes, you know. And mine was broken, and like traditionally, it has to have a hundred and eight, or else it's like bad luck or whatever. So I, I was just like, okay, I won't use that one anymore. Like it's messing with my energy or whatever. And uh, I just kind of left it and walked away. And he's like, aren't you going to like, it's like, this is sacred. Like, aren't you going to like bury it or whatever? Like this is, these are seeds. And I just kind of looked at him and I looked at it and I went, it's just seeds and rope, man. And I just walked away and, and he had this look on his face. Like I didn't realize, like I just did like a badass like walk away from an explosion moment. Yeah. But I was, I just had this moment of clarity. I'm like, this means something to me. And if I try a little, it's uncomfortable, but I can just kind of pick that meaning up and put it on something else. Mm. It's just fucking seeds and rope. <laughs> it really is. What it means to me is the practice. And that's what's cool because you could do it on your fucking fingers if you want to. You just got to keep count. Like, what, mm -hmm. am I, what am I holding on to? I don't know. Images, man. And, and it's all unconscious. That's the scary part. You don't notice you're doing it. And then yeah. suddenly you're caught in it. Attached to it. Yeah. Hopefully you laugh at it. I mean, perhaps everything has its place and its time, right? Like there's a Buddha face on the wall there. Having scriptures or images or symbols in our house, it, when you see it, it's, it, it brings you to that also within yourself, right? So in a day-to-day -day life, when we get busy and, and everything is fast, having mm. these at home sometimes like, oh yeah, just, just seeing it and, and feeling that what it means because mm. it's a symbol that reveals truth within oneself so when you see the symbol it reminds you and it, it, for me that's what it does it's a great point it's not that this is sacred in itself and this has energy and this and that 
but it's it's what it relates to me and what it opens up and remind me of, of what's living within my own self, you know? Yeah. That's a good point that it's like images, when you see an image, you, you get a response. So if I see a McDonald's logo, I'll see like, oh, it's, it's cheeseburger and fry. Like it's my, I like McDonald's, <laughs> you know? If I see like Buddha, like, oh, that's embodying like, like stillness and meditation and like oneness and, and just unity. Yeah. So like just glancing by that, that might give me a brief moment of just exactly. and then continue on. Yeah. I never really thought of it like that. Hmm. Like an anchoring of the, of the actual meaning. Like it's not, it's not uh, a dress. It's not a decoration. It's yeah. a, it's like a tunnel into some profound thing. But it's the same thing when you see that McDonald's sign, you, you're just so used to it. You recognize it. You, it's, or it's affecting you the same way as if you want to go eat. You see it, you know what it is. So, yeah. so yeah. it's just, you go on about your day. But if I see that and go on about my day, it's just yeah. like, it's like little pokes, you yeah. know? If you dream about being a professional basketballer, you have poster of Jordan and Shaq O'Neal and all those guys. It's inspiring. It, it shows you that there's something possible. There's an inherent possibility mm. in you to become that. And so these symbols, are, you know? Yeah. Whoa. I, I just remembered. I remember a documentary, I think, on Ronaldo, the soccer player. Mm. And when he was young, he carried a soccer ball everywhere he went. Just had it in his hand. Went on the high on the on the subway with the with the soccer ball, just <laughs> dribbling and but everywhere he went, that was like that's that's what he was embodying, you know. That's how I learned uh, didgeridoo. Oh, I yeah? just started walking around with it. I just never was going to practice, and I, the, my roommates <laughs> hated the sound, so I just started <laughs> walking around with it. I'm in the I'm in the subway, just whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. You're a brave soul, man. Wow. At the time, I didn't care what people thought, but like then my friends started kind of like, "What are you doing?" And I started, I just kind of clammed up. But that's another story. I gotta, I gotta get that muscle again. That's you gotta get that guy back. I want to go to the metro with you. And, just <laughs> the, you. and I, it was the PVC one, like the one I made at home. I just got some beeswax around it, and like you hum, like you drone with it, so you make like these dissonance and resonance, mm -hmm. and then you do like dog sounds and stuff. Like I love it, man. I just love it. And I picked the chick up with it, actually. Damn. Yeah. Fuck you, friend who told me. What was it Jeremy? Fuck you, Jer. I love him. I'm sorry <laughs> if he's watching this. I was gonna say something cool though. I forgot about it. The didgeridoo. Symbolism. Symbolism. Eh, it'll it's come gone. Um, you talk about the circle ball, bringing something oh, with yeah. you where you go to. Yeah, no, I was just going to say uh, Clapton walked around with a guitar when he was, when he was That's young. That's it. He even had, like, you know the record player with, like, the like the, like the the trombone that, like, oh, yeah, yeah. the needle? He would set that up, like, on a park bench outside of school and just, like, play to old, like, blues records and stuff. Powerful Clapton. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the work of, like, bringing all that shit. <laughs> Mathieu, I wanted to, to dive into because I, I see you now and all through all the work you've done and you know it's like there's a, a shit ton of life events that happen and, and wisdom that attained you to get to where you are right now but I'm curious how did this start the, the journey in plant medicine and meditation and all this like were you always this way or were your family members like this or was it just something you veered off into um there was always a feeling of um, a connection to something transcending or something deeper than, you know, the mind and matter, some, something deeper than this reality, even though... Than the words, even. Like exactly. And there was always a profound connection to something. And growing up, my parents were not religious or anything like that, and no, they, they weren't practicing spirituality or any meditation or anything. And uh, there was, when I was going to bed uh, young, there was a cassette tape, you know, in the auto reverse. And, <laughs> and on one side, it was the little prince, the story narrated by a guy. 
So I learned that story by heart. But when the, the cassette tape was going on the reverse, it was a kind of like a Gregorian uh, chant. I said that in English. Chant Gregorian. Uh, Gregorian chants, yeah. Yes. Like, uh, love you, Jesus, and Lord, and yeah. stuff like that. And it, somehow it was resonating, resonating in me. Resonating. Oh, thank you very yeah. much, my English. <laughs> and... Uh, <coughs> I thought it was so beautiful, and yeah, I have no clue who was Jesus because I, I wasn't going to Catholic school that cool or taking classes. And there was no mention. Of no, oh, yeah. no, it wasn't. It wasn't a thing, right? And at the age of twelve, I asked my parents. I said, "Okay, I need to be baptized now. It's time." Hmm. And they both look at me like, "What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> like, where is this coming from? Yeah. You never had any Catholic Catholic classes or anything like this?" I said, like, "I don't know. I need to be baptized." So they sent me to this old lady. I think she was a, a sister before or something, retired sister or something, to learn the good news and, and, and the, the teachings and the message of the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the whole thing. And she was so in love with the message, with Jesus, and uh, she was so passionate about it. And uh, I remember after every class, she would give me a chocolate bar, you know? <laughs> so now I, 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 <laughs> I kid it. I'm, I play jokes. It's, I love Jesus and I love chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> it's paired together. But her, her Jesus was less like a religious Jesus. It was more the, the teaching and the message and the heart of the Christ, right? But I never went to church after that. I got baptized and I never went back to church. And then um, I, become, I became reading books. I was like 16 maybe, spiritual books and really inquiring a bit more. And then at 19... I grew up with my mom, right? And I think you touched that story a little bit in other mm. podcasts. And we can talk more about it after. But uh, uh, at 19, I went to California, and my mom was about to break up with her boyfriend. And she told me, look, Matt, when you come back from California, it was Christmas Eve. I'll need you, you know? But, uh, long story short, she got murdered. And that was also a profound awakening experience for me on many levels, you know? And seeing my family, obviously I knew him. Like I loved the guy who killed my mom and I still love him today. He, he passed away now. But um, knowing how much he was suffering and then he acted out of that suffering and I saw my whole family reacting to that in a normal human way, you know. Uh, but some of my uncles, there's so much anger and so much resentment. Uh, one died from a heart attack. <laughs> And uh, so I was seeing him in anger, in hell, basically. And I saw my whole family reacting to that and falling in hell with him, just like that. <clears throat> and then I really understood the power of true forgiveness. Uh, and for me, it was, it was an anger. It was, it was just, I had sadness, of course, but it was like a deep experience for me. So there was that. That was a, a big moment. Oh, did the duck? Uh, farted? Good timing. Nice. I'm, just, I'm just trying to ignore it. It's <laughs> 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 the worst possible time. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> so, ooh, that's a good one, too. That's a great one. Um, and there was that. That was a big one. And then eventually, I was a stuntman and very busy, a big career. And I remember being in Toronto in traffic. And I looked to my left. There was people in their car like this. And I looked to my right. People in their car. And then I look at the mirror. And... I become frightened to, in this life, not know what I am ultimately, mm. to not free myself 
you know, to to not touch of what Buddha or Jesus, any master or anyone actually who realized that, I got frightened to miss that opportunity as a human being. So I got to work and I I quit half show. I was doubling a lead on a transporter and I quit halfway, which you don't do when you're a stuntman. It's very bad for your name, your career and sure. what people might think. <laughs> and maybe. So I quit and I drove back home and I booked a trip to Peru. I, ha- I had gone to Peru already, but uh, I, I booked a longer trip and then I started to do a lot of meditation retreats and very lot, lots of inquiring, observing, praying. Hmm. And sometimes, of course, there's days that you, am I doing this for, like, you confuse and it's every journey is like this, you know, you're confused and you quite don't see, but you know there's something and some days it's very clear, oh, yeah, that's it, and then, and then yeah, yeah. But uh, with with time, uh, things got very clear, clearer and clearer and clearer. And uh, and I'm sure there's a lot more to arise, but uh, now it's, there's a lot of space, obviously. There's a lot of clarity. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that was quite, like, in, in a nutshell. Yeah. So when you, when you obviously found out that news... I'm sure it was like a surreal moment, but in your practice, were you already developing like that separation of attachment? No. No. I had no practice at that point. I've read a few books, you know, but nothing. So when I came back from California, I wasn't close to my dad. So I had two messages from him on my phone. Hey, Matthew, call me. This is important. We need to talk. It's like, oh, my dad wants to get close again. That's awesome. Second message, him again. Matthew, call me. Because it was on the news and everything. So mm. he didn't want it, you know, right? And then when he showed up to my door, I looked at him and I knew everything. Oh, I said, it's my mom. Because I had an apartment in, in Longueuil at that time. He said, yes. Said, she, she's, she's dead. I said, yes. He killed her. Yes. Like, I knew everything. And I remember just I just sat on my bed. And at first, there was nothing. There was no emotion. There was nothing. It was just like... And um, and then it was very smooth. Like I, I would cry, but the, it was always a, a feeling of I didn't lose her. Like the love that we reflect to each other and, and what uh, was true in our relationship was still living in me and in everything. And there was a clear sense of that. So I never feel like, oh, someone took my mom away from me, which could be normal. I don't want to sounds like this is not normal, this is a normal human, mm. uh, you know. But uh, for me, it wasn't like this. It was it was sadness, but there was a deep gratitude for my mom and what we went through and the things I've learned from her and what she did for me and the moment she was struggling and, and like so many beautiful things. And also, I was feeling him, you know. Can you imagine when you kill someone you love because you're so messed up? Because you... In school, he was uh, bullied in school. Like it was so, there was so much in his life already. Um, so I was also thinking of him, and I sent him a book in prison, a course in miracle, and I wrote a little thing, like, "Hey, brother, I wish you found some good friends where you are, and that can support you, and know that my life is fine. Like you haven't broke me. Like, um, and you know, be at peace. I love you." 
and he died from brain cancer. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a deep, there was already somehow, because uh, we'll go back to what the, the question, there was already, there was somehow already a, this is okay. There was space in me to be with that without, it shouldn't be this way, all that, that conversation that, come, that would normally come, uh, come on top of that. No, there was just like a space where that could be. And so there must have been some work already prior to that, uh, you know. Mm. My dad thought I was uh, <laughs> uh, cut from my own emotion and repressing and everything, mm. which I wasn't, obviously, but it was a... Uh, well, it's, it's like the expected response is not happening. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So... <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you were saying, you, you, you went through like the the kind of normal stages, but maybe a little faster. Something something maybe even about that event just kind of made something click for you. Yeah, it didn't feel it didn't feel like suffering. It felt like a normal deep process. Like there was pain. There was there was a not pain. There was a sadness. There was emotions, but it was met in a very flowy, natural way. And I had some amazing dreams of my mother. I had a conversation with her in one of my dreams. I was like, what is this? Is this a dream? Uh, and she's like, no, this is just what you need now. And it felt so real. And so many things like that also that happened. So many coincidences. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. um, which also, like, going back to the teachings of Jesus and forgiveness, the true, true, real forgiveness. Not like, oh, you did something wrong. I've, since I'm better and I know better, I forgive <laughs> you. And, uh, like a judgment. <laughs> no, but the true forgiveness is letting go of what we project on that situation or that on that person. Our own, when we let go of our own judgment and filters, then we have access to deeper layer of understanding what's behind that, what's causing that, the suffering of that being, or the conditioning and the Shankara and the karmic link that. Uh, bring someone to do something like this, and then this natural compassion arising for that being, for that brother who didn't have the same childhood as I had, you know. Mm. So it's easier to not take it personally, I guess. Yeah. It, it also seems that, and that's an opportunity for you to, you can go that way, or you can go in a way where the anger doubles and you put yourself on like a hierarchy of like looking down at that person instead of trying to understand where they came from. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and that, fuck that got that's gotta be hard in that position specifically, but you, it's so much easier to just shame and just to be super like, fuck you go to, go to prison and that's it. You're done. Mm-hmm. But to understand what started that person to get that person to that, that state of pain to do what that person did that's the deeper question that's harder for us to peel and look at, you know, mm-hmm. and ask. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's even expected. It's not even that it's, like, easier. It's, like, like you were saying, like, your your dad is, like, yeah, my dad why wanted, aren't you? My dad <laughs> wanted to kill the guy, you know, because my dad, maybe in some aspect of himself, felt guilty a little bit for not, you know, mm-hmm. for leaving or whatever, Maybe I'm a bit responsible for that, uh, may unconsciously or consciously. So every time I find that we react with anger and with judgment, there's a certain inner guilt in us that is producing that reaction. Mm-hmm. Because if there's no guilt, if there's a sense of peace and, and true understanding and compassion, there's, there's no, 
there's nothing in, in blah, blah, blah. it doesn't mm. it doesn't make you feel better because you're mm. already at peace and you have a clear understanding of what's going on but in the major majority of human beings uh, we don't live in that deeper reality you know we live in the ego consciousness separation it's not a moral thing i'm not judging that it's just an experience um but eventually there's a time to be outgrown <laughs> you know to, to mm. yeah mm. and it's like a point you said with your uncles that they, they they they're living in their own hell in a sense where we're living in their own hell and it's like that anger is just will become you and then you will see anger everywhere you're looking. And it's just like, the way I look at it now is like, it's like you put on a, a, a shade of glasses in your state of mind. So if you're putting on anger, you're literally just going to see more of that anger color everywhere you look. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, everything's happening at once, but that's what you're in tune in. Yeah. And that's like you're creating your own hell. It's just you're, you're becoming in, chained in by your own mindset. Yeah, and it, be it becomes very foggy and, and hard to see clearly once you're in that. You know, like you say... There's no clarity there. There's no truth in that, deeper truth. The experience you have of anger is, tr is a true, genuine experience. You're having anger. But you're but fanning the flames. But the cause of it is, you know, hmm. pretty made up. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like trying to be right. Hmm. You know, uh, you have an opinion, and you have a lot of opinion, you want to be right, but truthfully, it's not being right that we're looking for. Because there's nothing, oh, I am right. It's just to, we want to feel like accepted and loved. But mm -hmm. we, we think that if I'm right, I'll be loved and accepted. It's yeah. almost like a form of validation for your, your ego. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's stroking it a little bit. Uh, like, you're, you're looking right. for it external. Like and then yeah. you're saying, okay, well, people like when I'm right. People like when they're right. So if I'm right, they'll like me. It's like this weird ipso facto Well, because you, you were rewarded in the past because of it. But, I guess so. But, yeah. but that, and then you create like a craving because that made you feel good. Or just punished for being wrong. And mm. then you kind of flip the script. Exactly. And, mm. and it's, it's funny. Like you described, you know, when people say, like, uh, like I, don't, I don't hate him, like I hate what I see of myself in him kind of thing. Like uh -huh. you just described it in, in perfect and like in plain English, like the <laughs> mechanism. Because it doesn't make sense sometimes. It's like, no, what do I, what am I hating in myself? Like I don't, like people don't put two and two together sometimes. But you, you do have this kind of like, reactionary of guilt or shame and it becomes this external uh blockade and it's so counterintuitive i was thinking about it on the drive here but it's like you have to let go and let these things happen and then something kind of softens and it goes away but if you fight it it stays if you try to get rid of it it stays what the fuck <laughs> that's so ass backwards but it's yeah. like We've just been taught to do and to create and to melt and morph everything to to do to function for us, and and it's like you have to kind of let the river do the job, and then you kind of gain the power of the river in this weird metaphor, and that's not always easy. And I mean, did you feel like you had a choice? Did you feel like you had like two doors and you kind of took the right door? It just kind of happened. It just kind of. Mm -hmm. You got some karma or something. Like, do you believe in reincarnation? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there comes a time when you meditate long, long hours, when memories opens up. There's a lot there. Now, you make it, it would be easy to make a story on top of that. Say, hey, I was this in the past life, and it becomes a thing. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, everything is now. Like uh, Sammy and Nate or myself or Matthew, 
really we're just a result of everything that you know we're a build up of this world matthew is a, a construction like the matthew i mean the, the person the, the past and the is a, a construction from the world so to hate the world mm. right yeah you lose the plot it's like <laughs> It's like the me and the world, me versus the world, exactly. me with the world. It's all just a one glob. Uh-huh. It's it's tough to say that because we're saying that we're here, we're having the third person perspective. You start getting into duality when you're a smart ass like me. Like you need to ans- answer the kind of questions, you know. It's 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 just both, I guess. It's like no, no. Objectively speaking, yeah. Like it's not it's not about standing on the shoulders of giants or something. It's like you are literally like borrowing like earth and and plant and, and animal and whatever you choose to, to ingest yeah. and all your genetics from your parents which is you know a lineage of genetics that stretches back freaking billions to of s- years yeah. to stars yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that's karma we're literally just like a crashing wave you know like they say but for real and, for yet, real. and yet I feel like once you start to take responsibility for how you feel, for the emotion that arises, for your, for your conditioned, build-up mind, everything becomes an opportunity. You know, every triggers triggers are so good for that. A special like special relationships, like girlfriend, family. Uh, when they trigger us, there's always an opportunity there. Uh, mm. So at first, it's like, yeah, you, you're fully responsible for how I feel. You know, that's it. <laughs> you know, you're a stupid ass. And <laughs> you make me feel this way, and eventually. Okay, yeah, fifty-fifty. You know, part of part because part of you and part of me, I feel this way. But eventually, oh no, shit, hundred <laughs> percent. Otherwise, yeah, you're always a slave from this contract, mm. right? So you take you, know, you take full responsibility, and that becomes very, mm, it becomes a blessing. For I must. Yeah. It, it's uh, it, it, in my opinion, that's the only way we get any kind of free will like to escape mm. your your i don't know I, I picture like a like a spring you know when you like wind up a what's it like pinball yeah like you think you got free will but you're just you just it's a spring in a tunnel and you're just a ball man bing 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 bing, bing. you know it look it feels random but the little thing you crank like the energizer bunny yeah the thing you crank yeah Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's going yeah. on its direction. The the motor's putting it in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And it, you know, you were talking before about like the response and 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 like the uh, just sidebar responsibility. Like mm-hmm. I just like that word. Like we use it for something else, but it is your ability to respond. Yeah. Anyway, so that being said, I like that. The response <laughs> has um. Like you, I th- I remember which one of you said it's kind of like you fall into it. You you even kind of use that that like that gesture. There is this gravity to it. There's something like addictive. We want to be separate. We want to have that excuse. It's your fault. We want to get mad. We want to suddenly shift. We want the drama. Yeah, <laughs> we do. Is it that simple? Is it like just this ego fun? Like maybe it's just the TV culture. I don't know. But it is there. We do. We kind of crave drama. Even not, Even the people who are like, I'm not about drama. Like that's their own little form of drama. They're the guy, they're the quiet guy in the corner who's going to fucking snap if you push him because I left you alone. So you got to leave me alone. There's a little contract going on in their head, you know? Yeah. And as far as they're concerned, everybody signed, but like no one signed. There's no contract. 
You're just here. My view of those is, is it's a distraction, a distraction from the deeper layers of what's going on. It's like you're stopping short and stopping short is just an easier place to stay. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when you start unpeeling, you can really start to find more, like we'll use your, your whole story as an example mm-hmm. that had you just been angry, you stayed angry, you, you hated him and maybe your life turned into a more angry path or maybe you still did your things but you had this underlying anger that just was always in the background like like a white noise that there's a layer there there's a chunk that's just never been peeled away it's just it's been labeled as anger and it stayed as anger so i think a lot of people will stay in the in that zone in that label and not look at what's what is the anger what what am i actually upset about and go in and that's you're seeing that a lot right now in the world with misery and and you're seeing depression rates are fucking skyrocketing and suicide unfortunately is skyrocketing and i think it's that exact thing i think it's the we're dancing around in the hot pot we're not looking at the pot you know and we're just like we're cooking 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 and on the other side of it i see people also now i feel like there's like a awakening in a sense where people are starting to ask more deeper questions and what's going on how they're feeling and stuff yeah obviously i think suffering is a great catalyst for that Yes. For asking that question. Because at one point you realize, I want to come out of that. So mm-hmm. at first you might try so many things. You might try to be right. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't work. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. But eventually, if you're sincere and wanted to find some inner result or inner peace, then grace comes and, and you know does its thing. And even I think actually suffering is also also grace in its way uh i think there's a quote in the bible it says like uh, uh, the 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 first the, the last shall be first and the first shall be last i think something like that jesus said that sounds familiar and whatever that means you know for me the 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 last shall be first is the the last in this world in this 3d reality are the ones that are suffering you know they're hmm. And the and the first or the kings of this world, everything is yeah yeah, which is fine. It's an experience, no no judgment here. But it, when when you're at the bottom, you want to come out of there, and s- often it will result in someone uh, going leaning towards spirituality or leaning towards self inquiry or leaning towards meditation, or, and they find their way first to the kingdom, to the the own, because. I think every human being is looking for that. Whether it's through buying a Lamborghini, high speed like highway, whatever, or mm-hmm. whatever, I, I, I'm, I feel that every human being is looking for that, for that sense of home, of wholeness, going back to wholeness. And most of us can't even sit quietly for a day without being bombarded by our own content. So. Uh, I had a, a guy, um, we were having a ceremony and I was sitting on the couch with a guy and he's like, yeah, when this silence is, is becomes uncomfortable, like silence is very uncomfortable for people. And I said, you know, I know what you mean, but the silence itself is not uncomfortable. It's what we bring in silence because silence is pure peace. <laughs> it, it's, it's close, it's, it's our, own, our, own, our own flavor. You know, or before flavor, but like it's like a vacuum or a canvas. Exactly, it's our it's our own, so our own self, like silence, space. 
But what is it that we can't be comfortable with in silence? That's what we call ourselves, <laughs> right? So freedom and liberation is liberation from that, from our own self. Mm. Nothing to do with anything. So when you find that out, then you can actually heal that, embrace that, and have compassion for that because there's a lot of judgment there, a lot of guilt, a lot of... So to say, oh, I want to kill my ego, no, that doesn't work at all. Mm. It creates... Uh, Pain. But pain and separation pain. and judgments. And yeah. But to actually embrace with a compassionate love, compassionate awareness, whatever that little meth you needs to be hugged for, be hugged for and, you know. And, and so you embrace that, you hug that, and you hold that in your heart until it subsides. And then silence. It, ah. so, so as long as humanity cannot sit in silence with themselves, Whatever we change uh, in the world as an effect, we haven't changed much. Right? Yeah. To my, to my, the way I feel and I view things. Well, we see it all the time. You know, I think anyone hearing that is going to agree. There's just this mantle that you're you're digging. You're trying to get to something deeper, but if if you're not, if you're always going to have that resistance in a simple way, like you know, like a, a guilt or like a self hatred or not embracing this inner child concept, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. then you're going to treat yourself that way and ultimately treat other people that way, and then you're going to see the world that way and think you're being treated that way, and all that stuff we've talked about is just going to collapse into your reality, and that fucking like you're you're making it be alive in me again just by talking about it. I can see the way your body changes. There's that. There's this sweetness. Like like a fruit or something, like a fucking nectar when you're meditating, and it's like, it's like it's not good or bad, but that is good when you come kind of come back from that this dream sort of, mm. you're like, that was spacious, that was like I feel healed, I feel, I just feel better, I don't know, mm-hmm. and it's funny because even now I'm talking about it, I'm trying to pull away from the attachment or the the labels. But uh, it's it is what it is. It's, it, some things can just be good, you know. And meditation, or with this, the point of meditation, let's say, that's amazing. Just this having that space and just being a little cooler in yourself. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed? Because you're in the field of meditation and, and the meditation retreats and all that kind of stuff. Have you noticed the general curiosity of? Well, I mean, for sure, but the questions are starting to kind of go more in that line of trying to find out what that silence is or experience that, that, that silence and get out of the, of the suffering. Mm-hmm. Are you noticing it's ramping up a little bit more? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. With, with COVID and with everything that's going on and the uncertain times we're in, mm. which made me laugh because times are always uncertain. Mm. <laughs> 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 but, but, you know, yeah. you know, we can say it this way. Um, yeah, definitely. And also... The genuineness. Can we say that in English? Genuineness? No. I guess so. The yeah. genuine... Genuinity, I guess. Yes, yeah. thank you, yeah. yeah. Genuinity. Um, of, this, of the people that are actually searching for that. Uh, some might mm. come f- as out of curios- curiosity, but when the weekend is over, it went way beyond their curios- curiosity. Yeah. My English. Uh, <laughs> they, they touch something that ignites something way more deeper than just being curious about something. So, okay, then some people will dive and some people will take a step back and yeah. wait and then come back when their space in their life is ready for that. Huh? I feel like I'm part of that second group. I feel like it was a such a 
it's it can be such an overwhelming experience mm. it, anything transformative is just that and then you're you're like what do i do now like the questions i had bef- at the beginning are not even <laughs> pertinent right now it's like you're you're stepped back or stepped forward or stepped sideways because it's suddenly presented with new uh, information mm-hmm. i don't know it's 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 hard to Wait. You know, I, I laugh at myself because now when I go into ceremonies for ayahuasca or stuff like that, I um, I used to have like intentions or whatever I wanted. Like, and I used to always laugh at myself after because it was like uh, maybe I had a question and it was like fucking ten other questions came out of that experience, you know. So <laughs> now I just go in. And I, my like sole intention is just to like, just it's just it's nothing about themes. It's just about letting go and whatever happens happens, and I'll just deal with it, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's funny. I guess that's the human condition is just the, the di- trying to direct it to where you want it to go. You yeah. know? And it's yeah. never the case. And sometimes maybe for someone who's newer to the ceremonies and they go and they have a specific question and they get like 15 other things that they have to consciously be aware of now. Could be like your situation where you had to take a step back and process, you know, and you, maybe you didn't think or maybe it was a, your intention was a form of protection of what you wanted to hold back. And maybe it came out in ceremony. It's like the opposite. Yeah. Like you think you're going to come out the other side like uh, feeling good or yeah. like as simple as that. And a lot of people do, but you might not. Like I literally, I describe it like I had a clarity, hmm. which is obviously positive. But with that clarity, I suddenly noticed all these like kind of broken bones or whatever yes. you want to call it. And I was, I was like that, that then I, then I maybe felt guilty or depressed. Like that's that second arrow that we always talk about. Like that, that might've been my doing. Because I'm not ready to just go, oh, that's the work I got to do. Like, mm-hmm. I had a lot of intentions and stuff. But it's, it's, it's not what you think it is because sometimes you don't know what's wrong. And that's why you need that. And that's, that's why you're there in the first place. You're just kind of, uh, like, perdu. Like, you're, you're, you're upside down. Or, yeah. like, the, some people don't know it. You think, you're, you, think you have, a, like, a direction in life. But it's, not, it's never been yours so as soon as you do anything that kind of probes deeper, you could you you just go beyond like a level of simulation, and you and you don't even know who you are. Mm. You're like, oh crap! Look mm. at all this stuff underneath that I've been ignoring, and it, it's like you have to reassess your entire reality. Yeah, that's not comfortable. Like you were talking about how uh, like uh, pain is transformative. Yeah, that made me think of meditation retreats, ayahuasca retreats. It's something you don't. I don't. I don't want to associate it to to pain or suffering, but I really do. You know, it's like a bit of a gauntlet for me. And that might be the set that I bring to it, personally. I really believe that. Because for some reason, I have a feeling in my fucking ball sack that the next time, whatever I do next, it's going to be, I don't want to say easier, but yeah. Like, I'm going to be able to let it pass through me with less resistance. Yeah. I don't know. Just I feel with psychedelics... Um it needs to it needs to have a, a path that comes with that, I feel. Yes, on their own they're amazing and they can help resolve many things, opens up many things. But without the awareness of uh, equanimity mm-hmm. and 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 a backed up awareness to not be so identifying with that content that might arise during a ceremony, you can get trapped in many mm-hmm. things. And then you can become like, oh, yeah, I see these things, I talk to this, and but you actually never see. You get you're still stuck in the, on, uh, you know, because. But with equanimity, like you were saying, now you, you go to ceremonies and 
you don't bring your own, you just yes. let it reveal. And from that place, it becomes very clear and very still and very open, uh, whatever might arise. Because every sensations in ceremonies, like the, 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 the heavier sensations, everything, it's all from the subconscious coming up. Mm. Uh, so when you can observe that with an equanimous mind, uh, with like a, I call this like a, you are, I am the space, I am the compassionate space, and that all of me, all of that can be as it comes, and that's fine. And in that space, it gets integrated very quickly. It moves very naturally and fluidly. When we don't have that awareness very established in ourselves, then it comes up, our reactive mind goes, oh, this, oh, and then we create knots and tingles, and then we become identified with that content. It's a very different ballgame. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So to when we work with those substances, with those sacraments, for me, it's very important to have that awareness. Yeah. You know, uh, you were telling me for years to do Vipassana or to, to, to look into it, and I was, I was hearing it. You know, the way I go about things now, sometimes if you hear it like three times, you got to do it. Uh -huh. You know, and I started hearing it from all angles, and I'm like, okay, this is more than three times. I'm like, it's calling to me, you know? And when I did Vipassana, it... I almost wish I started with Vipassana before any use of psychedelics, back from 2011 doing mushrooms and all this kind of thing. Because it, it, the way I looked at it, and I told Sammy this analogy, it was like, I, I did like, it's like you go to school and the teacher gives you the final exam day one and fill, fill out the exam and we have no fucking idea what's going on, so we've got to do it. And then just like, obviously we're all going to fail and then the teacher will show, the whole year we'll explain the exam and we'll learn that way. So I felt like, Psychedelics was kind of like that, which is still a way of learning. It's not a bad way of learning. It's a different way of learning. But what Vipassana did was like, would have given me the blueprints to navigate way more effectively in the psychedelic realms because I, I, did, I did fall into the traps of like the getting attached to the emotions that were in there or the, the sometimes just even the visuals. I'd be so amazed. But then you have the greats like Terrence McKenna who would always remind you, don't give in to astonishment. Don't give in to astonishment. Mm -hmm. And that always rung with me, but I just felt like Vipassana created that space that I didn't really have. Like, it was forming, but Vipassana just... Because there is no substance other than yourself for 10 days in silence. And by the 10th day and by the end of the ceremony, I just I felt this, this, this like, like, call it space again, but I just mm -hmm. felt it. And then... When I sat in ceremony after that with ayahuasca, it was just like back in that mindset of vipassana, and I, whatever came just came and and went, and it just flowed through, and that was so much more powerful than my initial ceremonies because I had that concept of equanimity, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's why Goenka repeats it so many times. Always remember the love and <laughs> permanent. Yes. Nietzsche. And Nietzsche. And Nietzsche. <laughs> you Equanimous. just... Equanimous mind. <laughs> Salib. <laughs> Always remember the love and permanent. <laughs> and and to, repeat, to repeat that constantly. Equanimous. Equanimous. Perfect equanimity. Equanimous. It gets drilled. It gets drilled. It gets drilled, man. And when you really, really touch on that, what true equanimity is, man, it's so freeing. It creates such a tremendous space. Mm. It's it really, it's like, um, it's hard to pin down because it's a letting go, but it's like, well, the way I've been describing meditation and, and let's say the, the 
goal being equanimity lately has been this kind of like uh, surfing. You know, the wave is going to give you whatever it gives you. You have to adapt to that. Mm -hmm. At first, meditation was this kind of um, a strong arming sort of. I didn't realize I was doing this, but it it's like I forced dullness. And then some masters were kind of talking about that, and I realized that's what I was doing. And now it's like, at first it was scary because I'm letting go of this comfort. And I, I thought that's what I was cultivating in my meditation, but that, that's obviously, we know the trap. You know, I don't have to get into it. It's craving aversion. It, there's not a lot of Nietzsche in there. <laughs> and to, to touch on this fact that like, you're literally practicing just being okay with whatever's happening. So you're not trying to create a situation And in doing that, you create a situation. I guess I just talked about that before again. I'm always playing with that idea because it's you give up power and it's the power. <laughs> and that bothers my, my brain. My, I just get kind of itchy. I'm like, no, but there's a, you have to punch in the code or use your muscles. It's like, no, just observe. Just chill out. And if you can, it's, not like, it's like you hold your breath long enough in this mental way, and then you realize you've been holding your breath. You realize that's the real breath. So it's like, it's scary, and you're like, oh no, no, but then it's like you take a gulp of water and you're okay. Like, like you ever dream and, and you're swimming and you can breathe underwater? Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I feel like it is. Like, you're scared and you think you're gonna die. Like, you have to have aversions and cravings. Like, you have to have expectations. And it's ruining your life and your experience <laughs> and everyone's around you. Well, it's making it interesting, but also yeah. there's a lot of extra pain, I guess. And then, and you, you, you just, Let go. I mean, let go is, is a nice analogy because it's like you feel like you're falling. You, there's no more ground. But I don't know. The ground was shit. Like, it wasn't the real ground anyway. It was just going to, like you said before, like life is always kind of in flux. You know, like we just feel like things are unsure times because of COVID. But some people see that, the history of that, and we're like, yep. <laughs> you know, like it was kind of already like that, and it's, we knew it was coming. Yeah. There's a kind of acceptance when you see the pattern. I don't know. I don't know what to do with that other than practice. It was a. Uh, I was in a retreat in Peru, <clears throat> and there was a guy in my room, my roommate, I guess. He he was talking with Diego one night, and I was in my room. I had a little candle and just taking some time just to enjoy. And he came in the room, bursting like almost fury. And then I said, "Hey, bro, like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> sit, you know, sit with me." So he sat on my bed. I'm like, "What's going on?" He's like, well, I was talking with Diego like for an hour and we were getting in an argument and he said that there's only non-duality, that there's only one and nothing of this is real, this is just a dream. And yet I was saying, well, you're talking to me and I'm talking to you, like there's two here, you know? <laughs> and Diego was like, no, there's only one, you perceive it as two, but there's only one, this is only your mind and it's not true, there's only non-duality. No, but I mean, if I, f if I punch you in the face, <laughs> tell me you don't feel duality now, you know? <laughs> Everyone so, goes for that one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So he, told, he asked me, so Matthew, like, I need to know, because uh, you seem, like, comfortable in your skin. Like, what do you think? Do you think there's only non-duality or there's duality? And I start laughing. <laughs> and I said, well, the real question is, what do you think the answer will give you? Peace? Love? Harmony? Do you think peace care about this concept of duality or no duality? It doesn't care. Do you think love cares about that? <laughs> Only your mind right now cares about that. And then he went, ugh. 
and we had an amazing <laughs> conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you instantly took the air out of his balloon. Yeah, it's true, man. It's a lot. A lot. I'm I'm definitely guilty of this. And vipassana and, and ayahuasca, these things have, are always showing me that I'm putting concepts before the experience all the time. All the time. All the time. It's crazy, crazy. It's like I'm having a dialogue with myself. And I'm experiencing everything through the ego instead of the thing talking to the ego. It's really funny. I, I constantly do that. And it's like, look, maybe you're going to experience non-duality. Maybe you're going to go through that. But don't look for it because you're not going to find it. By the nature of being a human in this universe, you are a separate being. <laughs> so like you using that tool to try to experience and find non-duality, it's not going to work. I mean, maybe. You know, we talk about yoga and uh, like um uh, jnana jnana yoga like the, the yogis who go, go into scripture who learn about philosophy and they kind of awaken that way some people need to go through that channel and good for you mm -hmm. it's nice to have those tools and to have those things click into place with the practices with the experience but to hold on it to it in in like a uh, in and of itself it's not enough for most people mm. You're, it's it's it's, talk, it's it's all talk it's just words and especially if you've heard it a bunch of times that's the worst part. Like you were talking about, you wish you did Vipassana before ayahuasca. Like I wish I did nothing before ayahuasca because I had these beautiful experiences and a beautiful uh, end result in a sense. But there seems to, like there was almost this uh, diminishing through having experienced similar things and to be able to quickly put it into a box to be like, oh, okay, I get it. I don't fucking get it. I've just kind of been around it before. That voice is funny when it comes. Yeah. That's it. I get it. Yeah. Who, who got what? <laughs> <laughs> I I have a love hate relationship with that voice. It's like a fish like flies into your uh, boat, hits you in yeah. the face, and you kind of catch it for a second, <laughs> and you're like, I did it. And it's like, what did you just do? You didn't do anything. That that voice fucked me up in Vipassana because you know they talk. I don't know what's that state of vibration that Gwenka keeps mentioning it like banga banga. Yeah. So I like I achieved something that I would call a banga at like day six or something, and I'm like. I'm just experiencing it. And at that point, your awareness is so intense and everything's just vibrating and I'm just in it. And I'm like, well, I've been here before. This feels like 5MBO. And then it just faded away. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I was like watching it dis dissipate. <laughs> and it didn't come back till like day nine. So I was like in this slump of depression after I was like, I was holding my head down. I like stopped meditating for him. I'm like, what are they doing? <laughs> like, I was there. And then I remember like day, I was like, the ego was strong a little bit. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to stay here. I'm going to get it back. Day seven came, nothing. Day eight, I'm like, oh, I'm going to talk to the teacher because I'm going to have a breakdown. And I tell the teacher, I'm like, I, I felt this feeling of unity and everything. And I, I just grabbed onto it. And I need to. <laughs> <laughs> he laughed at me. Though. He said, who wouldn't? And just that mm, reminded me. Yeah. Like, fucker you know that's cool yeah he said who wouldn't of course you would and then i'm like yeah man of course i would and then it just reminded me that it, like we're human we're gonna fucking make that mistake we're gonna make the wrong turn there is no right or wrong turn but you're gonna make each turn and there's lessons in every path what a great teacher yeah, yeah it yeah. was just that because he i guess he saw my frustration and he just took your guilt out just just one shot yeah like you know like a yeah. headshot in like counter-strike like it just that that count that that happened and I remember meditating after that. It just was a, because I, I realized what was fueling all that anger was just the ego craving that sensation, you know, and it just released. And then the, that state of mind came back in a more subtle way. It was still like in the lower stages, but it was all perfect. There was mm -hmm. no more attachment or, or a craving to get back to that too quick or whatever. Yeah.
yeah. in this deep state also might bring up deeper content as anger or anything. And then the mm. story on top of that anger is I want to get that back. But truthfully, it's maybe not the idea of wanting that back that creates this anger, but maybe a deep Shankara, a deep pocket mm. of anger. And then the conversation on top of that is it's because I want to have it back. That's like the that's the that's the that safety layer I was talking about. It's like a new layer <coughs> of just pr- mm-hmm. protection. Focus on the anger of it, yeah. but what's what's under that? There's a beautiful book by Jack Cornfield after the ecstasy, the laundry. So he has a, his I teacher Ajahn Shah in Thailand, and uh, he heard of he heard of a different teacher who teach uh, long hours of meditation, and it brings you to the seven jhanas and. Uh, so you can have all the mystical experiences and whatnot. So he asked his teacher, would you mind if I go see this teacher because he teaches these and you don't? He's like, of course, we go. So he went for a year, I believe. And of course, when you meditate for 20 20 hours a day or whatnot, you go into those deep, deep absorptions and you have those mystical dissolution experiences and whatnot. So he came back to his teacher and his teacher said, oh, how was it, you know? Well, I had that experiences and that experiences and... Oh, yeah, and I had this experience, too. And his teacher smiled and said, well, I don't know if he smiled. I'm just adding it up for now. <laughs> he smiled and said, well, other things to let go of, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so good. He just came back with a collection of, like, stuff, and he's uh, like, yeah. back to work, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we need to clean the garden now. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's it's. Uh, I I learned that through the the cities, like the this concept of of like gaining powers, uh-huh. and every teaching constantly. <laughs> it's just like warning sign after warning sign. It's like when you see these, it means you're doing great. Mm. Keep going. <laughs> it's like like that's what I thought your teacher was going to tell you. Mm. Is just go back to the practice. Yeah. He was even smarter because he saw the guilt was affecting you, but. That's that's the reminder, sort of, that a lot of people need. It's like, don't get tripped up. Don't think you're done. Don't look in the mirror and like your muscles and stop going to the gym kind yes. of mentality. Like, you remember the, the French man in the Matrix? Yeah, the Merovingian. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that character so much. So, uh, when Miloka, Milo, what's her name? Uh, Miloka Bilucci, his wife. In yeah, the yeah, movie, yeah. She's in a washroom and she kissed Neo and she looked at Neo and she says, He used to be like you. Talking mm-hmm. about her. Her uh, her husband, the how do you call him? Uh, Merovingian. Merovingian, yeah. He used to be like you, so he was a, a selected one. Mm. But when he once he got the power, like you were saying, he stopped and he used his power to get a blowjob in a washroom. That's yeah. just a very easy example that he does in the movie to make that point. But uh, so yeah, that's very exactly it. I didn't see it that way because the I mean her name is Persephone. And it's this whole analogy, it's this whole, uh, not analogy, but it, they're comparing him to, like, uh, Lucifer. Mm-hmm. He's, like, I think the club is even called Hell. Like, when they go down that, that like, uh, bottom floor there where they meet the, when they, anyway, I'm not going to go into the movie because I remember it very well <laughs> and I'm not going to waste time. Yeah. But but he, to show him as, like, a fallen angel a yeah. little bit is yeah. even more in that, in that uh, uh-huh. symbolism. Like, he literally... I didn't know that. Like he's he's one of the old ones, sort of, and well, he's just I, like. That's what I I feel. That's what I I think. I'm, I might be completely wrong, but Something for me, like that, yeah. that that's what that was representing to me. Like he had the same powers. He was he was like you. He used to be like you, hmm. and then but he stayed there to use his power for his own. Whew, 
and Neil went all the way to the source at the end. Right? That's it. He yeah. followed his heart and he lost his fucking eyes for it. He let go of the body. But this guy stayed in that in that place, like kind of stayed at that level. And then he he be kind of he kind of became a nihilist. Mm-hmm. He was like, everything's cause and effect, and I'm just gonna be the bad guy and and like fuck you, you know. And he thinks he's right. He thinks he owns everything. Mm-hmm. It, like he thinks it's all planable and controllable. And mm. in the end, he's just a dude in a fucking computer. <laughs> it's also that scene where the, the cipher his name was the yeah. where he was eating the steak. Where he's like, uh, I know this is computer programming telling me that this tastes good and it's juicy, and I know it's fake, but it's fucking delicious, <laughs> you know, pretty much uh, summing up what he said. So he just basically wanted to choose to just stay there, just stay in the illusion, you uh-huh. know? And then, like you said, if you, if you extrapolate, it's just some guy in a fucking computer game after all that, you know? <laughs> and that's what we're all doing. <laughs> pretty much. I love those movies. They're painful. Yeah. Do you, do you have any martial arts background? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, I do. I did uh, boxing. Okay. I still, I still train boxing, kickboxing. Uh, I did some wushu for a few years. Nice. That was fun. Uh, but mostly... It, uh, is it with... Uh, is it in, like, the... Is it here? It was in Montreal, yeah. Uh, Lauren Bernard? The White Crane? No. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. It was a Quebec, <laughs> Quebec Ushu. Okay, Yannick. cool. And then, uh, obviously, movie fights. So choreograph, like, it's more like dancing, but mm. it's fight moves, right? So, yeah. The, the, do you find... Like, is, has that been in your life since you were young, or is it like, kind of part of your... It came... Boxing, I was young. Yeah, I was okay. a teenager when I was boxing. Um, but then it faded away. I was just skating, sk- inline, inline skating. Every day I was, like, passionate about this. And eventually when I got into stunts, then I started uh, martial arts again. Just like a yeah, just cross-training for your job? Pretty yeah, much, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, I, I wonder, like, I, I asked because there's, like, a kind of innate... Uh, grounded spirituality for a lot of uh, martial arts teachers. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you can you can kill a guy. So like, let's talk about it. <laughs> it's <laughs> you essentially know? like mini ego deaths. The more you get into it, because especially you're, yeah. you're going to get your ass kicked. You're going to think you're something, and then someone's going to beat the shit out of you, and you're going to realize you're not that person. And you have the option to quit or to to re reinvent yourself in that in that martial art. At least that's what I got in in my uh, journey in martial arts. I think that's a mark of a real martial arts school. I think if you're if you're if you just feel like you're progressing all the time and you're not getting kind of checked sometimes, it's a fighting style. Like you're, you can you can learn, you know, the katas. You can learn you can learn some tai chi or something. But if a guy throws a punch and you don't know what to do, that 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 ego check is a little easier to miss. Let's say yeah. <laughs> than yeah. getting like planted or getting like getting forced to tap or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, side side note. Yeah. I don't know. That's dangerous if you be, if you're the champion, because then yeah, you don't yeah, learn anything. That's, <laughs> a, that's a good point, and I don't know who said this, mm-hmm. but you see this a lot. If and someone said this in a podcast that if you're the best in the gym, you got to switch gyms, because you see that with champions that aren't veering out, they're just going to become a, they're going to basically fall trapped to their own hype, and mm-hmm. and then it's like it's it's a clear you can literally see it as the ego is so powerful they become this on top of the world and mm-hmm. then they fight someone who's a hungry guy who's getting kicked out at his ass kicked at the gym constantly to to beat that guy and then he ends up winning and then the champion has a i find those are the most interesting moments because that champion has who lost has that opportunity to now double down on the ego that oh, i shouldn't have lost it was bullshit or 
to go back to the student mentality and how to get back up there. Mm-hmm. You know? the, and the last will be first. And the it's, first will be last. It's like the it's same exactly thing. It's exactly that, man. It's, I love that quote now. I'm just, uh, it's processing and sizzling inside. Do you know what? Ido Portal? Yeah. That's, that's the it's only thing I hear him say is just like start something new all the time. Like never yeah. get good. Never yeah. stay static. Uh, he's, he's like a... It's weird because he's not like and he's not like overtly spiritual but i feel like this guy should be my mentor like i want to find this guy and just like follow him around for a year mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like he just has a way that i resonate with but it's that it's really this kind of egolessness and this in a practical sense again not in not in any woo woo spiritual explanation kind of way but just just the fact that he will stop because he's getting good at something and switch to something he sucks at and I, like, I'd love to see his brain in a brain scan because he must have like the most active fucking brain ever, just just constantly able to adapt and learn all the time. Like he's learned how to learn. Like how do you defeat somebody like that? You know, like he's he's uh, he just you're gonna just win at life. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he has a lot to sacrifice too, but like anybody else. Yeah, depends what how you perceive what means to win in life. You know, win that life. I think winning our life back is the the ultimate meaning your own house, you know, feeling at a home, you know, feeling peaceful at home. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily have to win a championship to feel that uh, or to do the split or to <laughs> because it's an inner resolve, you know, it's a and not it's not a real doing actually, it's an undoing. And our mind is so built up on doing mm-hmm. and becoming which has its place in its own field, uh, like in the everyday the dynamic life. If obviously, you play music, you, you, you practice, and you, but I think in, in the dimension, uh, dimension of, of, of spirituality, of being, I think I feel it's the opposite, actually. For me, that's, what, that's how it feels. The, the less there is, the more there is. The more clarity, the, more, the less me there is, and, or you know what I mean, the more... My friend used to always say, um, like he would kind of catch me in a certain mood and he would, he would say, stop creating. And it's, I feel like it's touching on what you're getting at. Like you, there's this imposition, there's this uh, karma or, or momentum, you know, mm-hmm. and, and if you can wind that down, suddenly it's like all this ram in your brain is free and you are like smelling colors. Like you are, <laughs> you know, like you're, oh, you're just plugged in like to the, to this a supposedly false reality but it's like it's it's your reality embrace it fuck it you know we can get all into simulation mm-hmm. theory and all these fun concepts but the the experience becomes vibrant it becomes yeah. all-encompassing you know i i learned this from lucid dreaming of all places there was this concept where people were saying like just yell out like increase lucidity like just try to find a way to to f- make the dream more clear and it gave me this realization that like i'm thinking of all this stuff and if I think of my brain as a computer, there's all this uh, RAM or space or like all this, this energy that I could be using to imagine what is actually happening to me, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like to, it is a stepping back, but I interpret it as a kind of a, a grasping or like a letting in. And there's a draft, there's, a, there's that vacuum, like, you, like we talked about earlier. So like you, you, you pop open that door and it goes and and... It's, it's like I, I can, I can kind of sum it up. Like one time a yoga teacher said this to me and I stole it. I use it all the time. It, people say like uh, put, your, put your mind on your breath, you know, like be aware of your breath. 
And then he said, he said, you know what? Put your breath to your mind. Like, like the way you can imagine an, a picture or a memory or something. Like use that energy, that place in your mind to feel what's going on in your, in your chest. And it, it like, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> well, I was doing it when you were when you were speaking. Yeah. Okay. So it works. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes when you can feel the this is almost cliche, almost cliche, but when the when the breath is just happening naturally, you can feel the whole universe breathing. For this long to be breathing, it doesn't breathe on its own. You need the trees. You need this and this and that and this and this and whole elements and everything and then you eventually you, oh, the whole universe is breathing here feels like you know yeah. <laughs> it's it's true though it's yeah. you it's true yeah like, it's it just true. objectively <laughs> true <laughs> it is true that's funny because you know like your friend and then whole like the story of the non-duality like yeah. sometimes i only when i'm stone sober by the way like i'll <clears> look at it's always with like a dog or someone like um it's usually animals i get this feeling Because with humans, you can kind of talk to them and you have, the, I almost have this addiction to like communication and understanding. Like you can elaborate and you can really get into the, the mess of things. But I just look at a dog or a squirrel or something and I'm thinking, we are one for real. And the, the way I interpret it is like, uh, I'm at that, at that, at that like kind of endless base, at that pure consciousness level. You realize everything is like, everything is that. Everything's playing with that. Like rocks are playing with that. It's like just a reaction. The ability to to know something is present. Like you, it's like you bounce. You just like mm. something touches and it touches and boom. And that, I love that. <laughs> Perfect yeah, time. It first. So it's so it's like deep down, we're just the we're just consciousness. I don't. It's it's even it's hard to put into words. Usually I have an easier time, but now I'm feeling it, so I can't talk about it, mm. which is an interesting dynamic. But it's it's so beautiful to. With you right now, with him, with Lily, with my dog, often I just go, oh shit, like, whatever the fuck it is that animates me is animating you too, but it's animating you, so I don't know what the fuck's going on over there, but I'm, the I is Sammy, the I is me over here, the point is not to experience each other, the point is duality, mm. and yet we're trying so hard to shed that and, and to kind of like jump into this oneness, I don't know. Sometimes I just don't feel it. I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like it's not always true or visceral for me. Sometimes the truth is just my body. Beautiful. And and that's a really good... That's true. <laughs> it's, it's true enough. <laughs> it's like, it's like a, I was reading an article uh, about integration. Very good. My brother sent that to me. And the guy is in non-duality and trying to make a speech to his girlfriend. His girlfriend is just not having it. You know, <laughs> Come on. And then... <clears throat> They get into an argument. <laughs> gets people angry. And, and, and then they go home. He's like, and then he's like, hey, honey, he's like, you want to, you know, <laughs> you want to have sex tonight? And she's like, well, my dual pussy doesn't want any of your non-dual dick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can say, oh, it's non-dual, non-dual, and yet mm. you still have desires. You're still, so that's true. The body doesn't lie. The body doesn't lie. Mm. Uh, and to be connected to that, you know, it, the senses, to be grateful grateful for the senses, having mm. a conversation, listening. Like sometimes I had I used to have like this belief that no, the, 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 this this is I have to transcend it. I have to mm. become boom. You mm -hmm. know? 
But no, I, there's no other place right now that I would want to be because I'm here. And this is so rich. Mm. And the connection, even though in duality, in the dual experience, like the stars, let's say, I often say the stars are just white dot on a black canvas. Like truthfully, it is completely meaningless. But there's something in my heart. When I look at them, it goes, ah. Oh. The connection, the, the, the reflection of vastness, of, of consciousness, of, of life, and, and, and beyond those stars too. But still, when I go home tonight, and I know my wife is at home, and we're going to have dinner together, thank you, thank you, when I come in and the dog, you know, it's like, we, we can, on, the, on this journey, we can miss that and try to put that, oh no, this is not spiritual. For me, it's the opposite now. Is to fully embody the truth of love and oneness into this dual experience. Because I have the whole eternity to remain eternal whole in, in nothingness. But truthfully, now I'm here and there's nowhere else I want to be. I, okay, Matt, right now you can disappear into non-duality, into infinite. Do you want to? No, actually. No, I'm here. And it is, this is perfect. Uh, and obviously, this isn't permanent. Our, our days are counted here. There's a few numbers limited of heartbeats in here, and it will come to a full stop soon enough, actually. So to rem also to remind ourselves of that, it brings a purpose in our life to live from our heart and to be not so hard on ourselves, you know? Uh, I can enjoy, actually doesn't mean that I need to accomplish whatever, but if I can just enjoy what is now, that's a huge step. Uh, and to smile at someone can be a huge step. It's just a nice smile, and there you go. You made someone's day not knowing. And so when you close your eyes for the final time, if you close your eyes, maybe you die. <laughs> but then, then you can say, thank you. Why? Because I loved. I loved. I love my dog, I love my friends, and I, was a, I did my best. Sometimes it's hard to love because we have those feelings arising, obviously, and that's okay. But if, if I'm doing my best to love, then, then when I'm on my last breath, I'll be fine. Because if you go on the other side, the only thing you'll be thinking of, oh, I could have loved more, I could have enjoyed more, I could have forgiven more. That's all we would, we would think if we could think this way on the other side. So, yeah, death is an amazing reminder for that. I heard a heartbreaking story. Um, it was in a podcast, but this woman was talking about, um, I think her time as a nurse in like the ER or something like that, or she heard a story. And she was saying like uh, one of the patients had like a fight with his daughter for like, they haven't spoken in like 20 years. We'll call it that. It's probably, the years are probably off, but let's just say 20 years. And they just never spoke. The, the, the anger was so strong between the two of them. And then on his deathbed, in his final breath, he was calling for her name. And I remember hearing that. I like I paused the podcast. I was driving. I, I pulled over, and I was just sitting there, thinking about that, and thinking of how many people get caught up in that that layer I was talking about that that, that anger or whatever. And mm -hmm. then when it's getting when your existence is coming to an end because we take it all for granted for granted, and when it really is coming to an end, and you can't change it you realize that all these things you were holding on to are not going with you. And 
you realize what really matters, you know, and it breaks my heart that that story happened, but you know, you can learn a lot from stories like that. Yeah. You know, one household out of three have violence in it, physical violence in North America. That's a lot. So those stories are, yeah. One in three. Yeah. It's a scary statistic. Yeah. Did it ramp up from the COVID? Uh, oh, I'm sure it definitely yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, Fuck, sure I don't even want to look at the numbers now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, you know, in meditations or in ceremonies, sometimes you have a memory of this, the smallest things, you, the way you looked at someone with anger. Just You didn't even know if they noticed, but you have those things coming up. Oh. So, for me, it's like always to... to to do my best, my best to be vigilant, to always send best wishes and, and be kind to everyone, every human being, because you don't know what they are going through, right? Mm. Uh, and the harder the people, the harder the people are to be loved, like the more they need it, right? Yeah. Yeah, we gotta hear that one a lot lately. Mm-hmm. It's so. It's. Uh, I don't know. It's eye opening. It's. It's painful. It's like. It's not a sweet pain. It's not. It's, it's like you're just like. Oh, I was shitty because I forgot we're all gonna die. <laughs> you know. And then. You, <laughs> you know. Like, it's really it. Like I, I. After my first ceremony, I called like four or five people. I was like, Hey, I did this that one time. Like, yes. hey, and, and they were yes. like, but they were like, Yeah, I remember that. And like, thank you for calling. Like, it wasn't like all in my head. It was like times I really needed to step back and 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 treat something differently and because i didn't it was this lingering energy it was like this tail mm -hmm. and i had to cut it i had to find it and cut it and anyway i don't know man it's 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 a it's it's the reason why i said it's not a sweet pain is because we we want to forget it we want to push it away and i i mean personally i don't realize i'm doing it often but i just like conveniently forget that we're all gonna die and that everything is impermanent, you know, like that you were talking about that story you just said, like mm -hmm. I, I, um, a couple of days ago, I was in the restaurant and there was a song playing. It's some new song. I don't know. I'm, I'm not like really up on <laughs> up, up on the beats, <laughs> on the, the, what the young kids are listening to. But it was a beautiful song. This guy is saying something like, um, if it was the end of the world, you'd come see me like you'd come over. Right. And he's asking. So there's this kind of desperation, this sadness. And I started crying. I started thinking of my ex. I just started thinking like. It's like there's this there's this profound loneliness when you when death is in front of you, and then you're left with like what did I cultivate sort of like did I did I open the door do I realize that like none of us are alone and all of us are alone and this was going to happen anyway did I live my best life is it okay that I didn't all these questions suddenly come up in a time when you are Ooh, sorry in, about that oh, is, did, <laughs> she's uh, she's ripping the. <laughs> There we are. She lays bomb. Like when we get deep, <laughs> she it. lays a bomb. That's it, how we it know focus it. You, it. It focuses you in. <laughs> yes. You, you have to think through it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's like this vulnerable time. And if you didn't if you didn't practice, sort of you you it's almost a waste. You know, a lot of people they say meditation is just practicing for death. And I, w I think what they mean is that the acceptance, the letting go, like you're going to be forced to let go. You are going to be let go by life. So you got to let go back or See, else you're going to yeah. rip I, your arm off or whatever. <laughs> I had that fear once. Uh, it came up to me during ceremony and I worked through it, but it was, it was a very scary door that spiritual texts talk about and, and Vipassana talks about it was follow the natural breath, follow the natural breath. 
And I just had this like epiphany moment where it's like, yeah, my whole life I've been following the breath, the natural breath. But what happens when that breath stops, when that's the final breath? And I just backed out and I just got like a little bit nauseous and like fear came in and it almost overtook me. And then I realized there was that, there, that's it. Just let, that last breath is that last breath and go with it. And then what's after that? You don't know. The The vessel of Nate is gone, but whatever that is next is you'll you'll deal with it as it comes. Mm. But that was a very, um, it, that's terrifying, you know? That's, the, any way you put it, that's a scary fucking thought. Mm-hmm. And that we're all going to have to experience that. Mm-hmm. Not one person excluded. It's like the first and last, like, it's that that's a Nietzsche, bro. Big time. Yeah. And like, uh, like we know we're talking about labels and ego and stuff. Like, you just die. You don't know what's coming after. Maybe you do. Maybe you have a sense of it. I don't know. But you, like, I can feel even now, like, we're trying to make something. We're just, we're trying to make uh, meaning out of it. There's obviously a lot of inherent meaning, but we're trying to give it a little extra. Like, no, no, you know, like, like death is actually the teacher and it makes us better people now so that we don't feel as crappy when we're dying. Like if we ha- have the luxury of knowing we're dying, cause you might just get a fucking bullet through your head and, yeah. and uh, buona noche, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. So it's, it, I ca- kind of trying to transcend that, that, that label layer and just say, yeah, like we're going to die. And that, that invokes a, a mm-hmm. feeling that I can maybe put some words on. But it certainly just encourages me to reduce suffering in myself and others. Mm-hmm. It's just a direct A plus B equals C. I don't know if that... Yeah, I don't know for you guys, but when I meet someone who was close to dying or had disease that brought them close to dying, they, seems all, they seem always more present, Yes. more kind, more easygoing. They're cramming. We're going to be talking. It's a deadline. <laughs> we're talking. We're going to be talking to Chanel soon. But she has. She. She. One of our friends. She was on the pocket. She survived uh, um, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I remember talking to her. She was telling me that she has this whole new appreciation for life that she took her previous life before the event for granted, and now all her goals and everything are kind of not changed completely. But there's like there's like a new layer of gratitude on it mm-hmm. you know and and like a new lens where it's like yeah you're so so you feel so strongly about this direction but you're forgetting the fact that it's it can just tomorrow for now right the second you know yeah and these are such strong and valuable reminders for all of us and we like you know you see celebrities all the time but when you like kobe bryant when he passed away that for me was such a big lesson it was a horrible thing it's very sad but it just remind. I came to this like epiphany that if you approached him an hour before that event happened with the helicopter crash, and you said, "This is what's going to happen. You're going to die. Your daughter and you are going to die. If you give me all your wealth, everything you've ever achieved, all your medals, all your jerseys, everything, and I'll let you stay five minutes extra with your daughter and with your family." He would do that deal like like that. Like instantly, he would take that deal. One minute, thirty seconds, one second, and that. I came to that realization when that happened. I'm like, fuck, man, you know, mm-hmm. that's the, that's, we forget that importance, you know? Yeah. There was a, a story of a, a Westerner going to India to meet a sage. And uh, so he's in a village and asking people where the sage lives. And hey, he's at a big building, uh, four, uh, fifth floor, whatever. Okay. And he so, uh, wants to see the sage, right? So he comes and he opens the door and the sage is sitting on a little cushion. 
ducks and there's no furniture, there's nothing. Maybe he doesn't live there. Do you live here? Yes. Well, you don't have any furniture? Do you have any furniture? Well, no, this is not my home. I'm just passing through. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good. <laughs> of course, uh, I enjoy my washing machines, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's it, man. I mean, yeah. T tell me if you feel this way. Like, some of this stuff was intuitive when you were younger and you kind of forgot it. And, and then everyone around you seems to be acting like insane people because they're ignoring these, like, huge, obvious things. And now you're forcing yourself to, like, remember them because you don't see a value to anything else. Is that, and is that anyone else like that? <laughs> is that just me? Like, everything is overshadowed by this, like, we're all going to die. Like, there's just natural law out there waiting to fucking eat you alive. And there's a lot of good and a lot of bad, but, like, the, the, the ignoring of it is like unsettling i think yeah. that perspective uh, when you're younger when you have those because i had that too i was doing crazy shit that i think about now i'm like fuck i, I could have died in that moment or like stupid stuff but i just think you must have a bunch of stories like that <laughs> 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 but i think it's the the burden of responsibilities wasn't as prominent as it is now like I, I don't have insane i don't have a family to take care of i don't have children that are really pulling i have lily like lily is something i have to constantly th think of and take care of her and walk her so like there's more latches down to the planet to the to the this dimension to this moment so i can see people forgetting that when their responsibilities are just like loud speakers on their ears you know they have they have to feed their son every morning mm -hmm. they have to go to work they they don't have time to even process the, the notion that they're going to die at any given time, that they have this timeline of work at 65, I'm going to retire. Like there's a, th these, these preset plans. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to tune that out, mm. you know, yeah, and I forget know. or trick yourself into forgetting, you know, it's, it, almost, it's time it makes it, I find death makes it the whole experience perfect in this regard. You know, there's an end to it. Uh, it makes it so um, potent so special in a way like otherwise it wouldn't be the same without death it'd be very different yeah i remember some uh, jehovah witness came used to come to my house beautiful people george his name was george and he would come in i would give him a hug and we'd have amazing conversations and obviously he would give me the bible and say hey have me read a passage and what do you think about this and what do you think about that and he knew i would never join the jehovah's uh, but it didn't matter. Like we love each other, and we could have a brotherly conversation anyway. And he was telling me, like, yeah, for them, their belief is that uh, Jehovah will come on the earth and and rule this kingdom. And people who sin were bad. They're gonna go somewhere else, and they'll live here eternally, right? And I said, eternally. He said, yeah. You want to live here eternally? <laughs> like, think about it. Eternally. Mm. Not 10,000 years, not 100,000 years, not 5 billion years, eternity. What, ha what will happen? Your kids will remain kids? You won't grow old? The old people will remain old for eternity? It's really weird. Once you've ate all the foods you can think of or taste everything, have all the conversations and podcasts that you can actually speak, then what? What will you do? And he was like... <laughs> I never kind of thought of that. <laughs> and, and, and there's a story of a, uh, Alexander the Great. He was looking for the elixir of uh, life, like the 
Oh, like a, to be immortal kind of yeah, thing? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So he was going from uh, places to places, and he went to see... Uh, he heard of a sage in the mountains who had the answer, so he went, and the sage said, yeah, it's in the, in the cave there. You just have to walk, and you, you'll find it. He's like, really? Yeah. And so he brings some jars, you know. He's walking in the dark, and eventually there's a do- golden liquid falling from the ceiling. And he's all excited. He feels his heart beating. Yes, eternal life. He gets his, his jar to fill that up. And maybe I taste it first, you know. So he, he put his finger and he drops on his finger. It's a golden light liquid. And he hears, don't do this. <laughs> so he stops. What the hell? It's pretty dark in the room. He doesn't see anyone. I said, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts looking. And he, see, he sees a crow in the corner full of spider web and dust. And he looked at the crow, and the crow looked at him. Yeah, don't do this. What do you mean, don't do this? I did that 5,000 years ago. All my friends are died. All my families are gone. I'm stuck here for eternity, my friend. Don't do this. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I want to see that like a movie. (laughs) It's a crow, too. It's like a... (laughs) Learned how to talk. Took him 5,000 years. (laughs) Uh, it's intense, man. It, I, I've thought about it a lot, like just as a thought experiment. Honestly, the, 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 there's no point because it's our design. We're, we're, we have an expiration date and it's, it's a mystery too and that's extra fun. Uh-huh. But I, I mean like some type, like you, you, I don't know, you would lose who you are seven times over. You would have literally multiple lifetimes and then, and then what? I don't know. Can you die? Can you get stuck somewhere? Like you start thinking of the logistics. You start <laughs> losing the philosophy. You would transcend eventually, I guess. I hope. Because you become so... You would attain all the knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it would just come to that point. Maybe you'd figure out a way to kill yourself. If it's a turtle, (laughs) if it's a turtle, this is the funny part, actually. This is like the karmic line. It's like you'll, you'll, you'll do all the fucking sports and everything. You'll master it all. You still have eternity. And then you'll just, if someone tries to find that person at some point, they're just going to be seated in a mountain meditating. And that's like the final realization. And that's this, that's like the karmic line that that's heading towards. You ever seen the fountain? (laughs) Yeah. Was it that movie? Yeah. Yeah. He's just like floating in space with a tree eventually. Through his own life. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen her? Yeah, I haven't seen. I heard about this. That was great. So they literally so like that's bounced. exactly what you just mentioned. Actually, hmm. her is a AI, and the guy falls in love with the AI. And at first, she's pretty new as an AI, and she wants to. She wished she would have a body, you know, to have intercourse and to actually taste. And but she grows super fast. She evolves super fast, and eventually, she has access to all knowledge, quantum physics, and spiritual scriptures, everything. And she can talk to like 10,000 people at the same time. She knows everything. Mm. And eventually, all the AI, they leave. And she says to the guy who's in love with her, she says, if one day you want to join us, we will be in the silence between the words. That's profound. So, so when you have all the knowledge in your mind, in your cerebral, um, I'm looking for the word, intellect, even that, eventually you realize, oh, that's absolutely nothing too. And you go beyond, beyond that, You're like you just said. Mm. So eventually, okay, end. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, you just like know how, like you just. <laughs> 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 there's, a, there's a process in, in, again, there's like a yogic technique and you just like decide to die. You're like, all right, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. You do some chakra magic or you stop eating and then I don't know what the technique but it t- is. It right? takes a lifetime to learn. 
Imagine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I meant to die. <laughs> That's a trip and fall down the stairs. Nope, meant to do that. Yeah. That's fine. Mm. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to live like 200 years or something. But you know, did you ever watch the show The Good Place? You guys ever heard of The Good Place? No. Great show, super funny. It's like Lost because it, like nothing ever gets concluded. You just have all these questions, but it's, but it's very funny. It's also just really funny. And, and the, the show starts where these people die and they, they're in the afterlife. And like, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but like, the, it comes up. They're they're like, we're just here forever now. Like, even in even in the good place, even in mm. heaven, you're just like everyone. Everyone who's been there for like a million <laughs> years, and they're just like, eh. and they're like, I want a coke. No, I want a rocket ship. No, I want a porn star. <laughs> no, I just want a coke. Like, they don't know what's going on anymore. Yeah. They're like all zombified, and and it's 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 just funny that it's brought up. It's like. In this version of the afterlife, the problem is that they're they're consistent. They're they're who they were on Earth remains. That might not necessarily be the truth. You know, we might just be a, a drop that goes back in the bucket. You know, so yeah. I had a conversation with <clears throat> one of my teacher from Peru, Diego. He died. Now he passed away. He had a uh, cancer, and uh, it was last year, just before he died. Uh, we knew this was our last conversation because he chose the the, the the date of his death which was the next Monday or something. So we both knew this was the last moment together. It was so beautiful and so potent. So obviously you've done 5-MU-DMT and it has all the dissolution experiences and everything. And Not this guy. And Not yet. Uh, <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> he, was, he was saying, well, maybe there's nothing after, which is fine. There's nothing, there's nothing. It's peaceful. But I kind of I hope there's something, you know? I kind of hope there's something thinking about it and then he goes yeah i think if i if i come back here i want to be a rock star <laughs> like i want to i want to sing some some song about truth and but like a rock star like worldwide known and we both start laughing <laughs> imagine it's that easy yeah. you're just like i want to <laughs> i want to be a famous rock climber or something like you just and then done. it's done no problem yeah which is up for you you know for someone like him who've done thousands of ayahuasca ceremonies, leading ceremonies, and bufo, and, and everything. Mm. Uh, still, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. It's like that, uh, there's a, a quick story of a, a Zen master, and his student comes and asks him, hey, uh, what happened when you die? And the master says, well, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You're a Zen master. Well, I'm a living one, not a dead one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know anybody who came back? <laughs> That's uh, Sadhguru says that all the time. I, I mean, he he gets uh, some people hate him, some people love him, you know. But he's like, he's like, why do you ask me these questions? I, I, like, why do you just believe me? Like, I'm saying what I'm saying because I've seen it, because I experience it. Why don't you do what I'm telling you to do so you can experience uh-huh. it? And and it's it's I love that. That's for me. That's like a another sign of a good teacher. Like he's he could tell you, he could paint you pictures, you know. But it's like, I mean, paint you, maybe you need Alex Gray for that shit. Yeah. But like he he can paint you a proverbial picture but it's just a picture you can't tell you what it tastes like you know like what, what are you asking we want to know we're clinging what's after mm. what's how does karma work tell me this tell me that Sadhguru is Sadhguru because he didn't fucking listen to nobody or he just yeah or he listened he, to everybody but he, <laughs> but he just followed his path you yeah. know and yeah. I had that realization I said it too many times in the podcast self-mastery but, but I went to in a ceremony I I had like a vision during an ayahuasca ceremony of like 
entering a room and Jesus was entering, was pointing to the room to get in. And I'm like, oh, fuck, okay, Jesus, I'm, I've never seen that before. You know, I go in and he was massive. And then there was all the deities and gods and, and goddesses and everyone was there, Buddha and everyone. And they were just like lounging, just chilling in this like temple. And I see behind each one of them, these paths, these roads, these endless roads. Mm. And some there's people right before the, the temple and there's some there's way back there. And I realized, I mean, you guys just figured it out. You essentially just figured out how to get here. You know, and we can follow the way you did it and get there, or we can just be like you and create our own pathway in here too. And that was like a big realization. It's like they all work, you know, if mm. you're if you're honest to yourself. And they that was like a profound moment. It's just like you can listen to Sadhguru, figure it out the same way it is, or you can live like Sadhguru did and do what you do and find your way there. You know, they all work. That's it. In the end, he's like a, a Buddha. He's yeah. like a scientist. He just paid attention yeah. a, a lot. <laughs> and he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And no, like, you can't transmit that. I mean, maybe you can, but it's, uh, it's lead by example. Like, yeah. I, I don't think I can talk someone into it. I mean, you were talking about fruits earlier, like uh, fruits of meditation and fruits of... And there's also a saying like the, the apple, uh, you recognize a master by the fruits that falls from the tree. Like, mm. uh, so the fruits that falls from the trees and the, the vibration around the tree... And how many people of you know the seeds in each fruit? So it, so you recognize a master by the fruits, the, his vibration around. Mm -hmm. So uh, perhaps in that I don't I don't know actually, but it says that in the time of Buddha there was si five hundred uh, arahant, like fully liberated beings in his sangha. Five hundred is a lot of liberated beings for w in that lifetime. Uh, so of course uh, you may practice vipassana like they were doing. But there was something else that must been added to the mix, which is the vibration of a true liberated being, mm. in my guess. Because the truth is, I don't know. I'm not pretending I know, but that's how I'm feeling it to be, you know? Have so you had any experiences like that personally? You mean? Just, I don't know, being around a certain person and kind of getting something from I, them beyond words? I saw of? Jesus three times. Um, cool. And not in ceremonies, not with uh, psychedelics. And one time I was uh, on my bed and I was crying. I don't remember why I was crying about, but and then I, I looked up and Jesus was sitting. Obviously, it's a, it's a projection, okay? But okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not crazy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but, so I I sat up, and <laughs> okay? Huh? And I sat up and I looked at him and oh, just his his presence, the presence that it, it's pure. Pure. So the reflection is pure. All you get is love and truth and, and, and peace. And, and he looked at me and he said, Brother, without speaking, but there was a communication. He said, Brother, everything you are going through, you made up. Even Matthew. And, and that's fine. When you have enough, when you've eaten that apple enough, you let it go and come back home. Not a trace of judgment, but just this is what it is. As long as you want drama, <laughs> as long as you want to entertain those ideas of what you are and your struggles to become something and your own thoughts and your own on this opinion, that's fine. When you realize what they truly are, you might actually let them go, you know? And you realize that you still are, but... It, it's totally different at the same time, you know, the experience is totally different. And yet, you're fully human. 
Jesus and Buddha must have been fully human too. All their great masters, their humanness is so like Muji, the way he talks and mm -hmm. the way he laughs, and all the great, great teachers have so much humanity in them. You can relate. They're not like zombies. Mm -hmm. uh, no. The, so, yeah. it, I love how you say humanity, like, because um, they're, they're teachers in a sense, but like you get, sometimes you get the energy like they're your brother, like Jesus called you brother. He didn't call you son. He didn't call you father, but like they, they fit in all of those categories because we all do, but they're embodying it in an honest and kind of constant sense. And that's kind of intimidating. It's like the moon. It's like this big thing that doesn't move. And they're just like, sup? And you're like, that's like the, that story of the Buddha. <laughs> and he stops the elephant, like just with his vibes. This elephant is like, fucking humans, you know? And then he's like, uh -huh. I love you. And the elephant's like, okay. <laughs> okay, I'll take a breath, you know? Like, and that, I, I just hope and know on some level that story is true or possible because you, I mean... I don't know how much experience you have with animals, but like we're cutting out a lot of the fat because there isn't that layer of communication. There's maybe a more honest or true or basic, whatever you want to call it, level of communication. Yeah. Raw. Yeah. Raw yeah. and and um like you can't you can't bullshit. No, that's why I said the body doesn't lie. The vibration that you carry doesn't lie. Mm. So animals feel that right away, right? Hundred percent. And how amazing to, to be alive in these times and to have this kind of conversations, uh, like I said, with about Buddha and Jesus or whatever, and the connection we have to those stories, the, the chance we have to actually experience that mm. and, and in this life do the work, not like later and not tomorrow, but n embodying that. What a tremendous opportunity. Like... If Jesus would be walking right now, I would swim across the ocean to, to meet him, uh, which meaning swinging across my own uh, ocean to meet myself, basically. Mm, so whoa. to go through all the layers, you know? Uh, like I said, maybe he's just a symbol. Maybe he never actually walked on this earth. It doesn't matter at all. It, what it's represent, the archetype, what it represent in, in us, the inert possibility and truth in us and that's so inspiring because it's not over there it's not no one can take that away from you no it's yours it's your it's your heritage you cannot mm. lose that it's like the holy spirit remains as is wherever you go in your mind wherever you go in your dreams it remains as is and then eventually uh, it might knock at your door hey mm. Someone here, like I say, you know, sometimes there's someone mm. here. Yeah. Hey, what are you looking for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just have open you your find eyes. it. Have you find it? <laughs> <laughs> you have enough? Yeah. <laughs> How many followers do you have on your Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's terrifying, but it's beautiful. Uh, do you know who Paul Selig is? You ever heard this guy? No, because he, he talks about he's kind of like a, a medium or a channel, like he writes these books and like he can talk. Like as if something is talking through him. It's really surreal to watch. He explains it like he's kind of listening and repeating. So he just kind of steps out of the way and uh -huh. something <coughs> else uses his body like a fucking microphone. Uh, but him or they or whatever talk about uh, Christ as like a vi as a frequency that you can kind of like a um, 
like a power line that you tap into. Mm -hmm. And it's like we all have the material or the capacity, if you stay in this like electricity metaphor, yeah. but it's just um, opening that channel or, or maybe plugging in, you know, someone like Christ comes in and shows us and it's inspiring, like you're saying. But then there's this weird form of victimization where it's like he's the son of God and I'm a piece of shit or something. And it's like, no, like we're all here. We're all worthy. And, and it's more than worthy. It's like being here means you're worthy. There's no question. And that's Christ consciousness, you know, and, and Paul Selig, like these books are really inspiring me. He says very intelligent things in kind of like small, fast little fortune cookies. You know, he'll say what you damn damns you right back mm. what you put in darkness calls you to the darkness and he says you know the he talks about christ consciousness as as a, a wave that we can all kind of ride or a, a frequency we can all tune into and it's just this it's a it's a real living and embodying mm -hmm. uh, a, a, a universal love not in that dull way like i talked about earlier like we're talking about meditation but really feeling it and letting it guide you and yeah you might make mistakes or hurt somebody or whatever but you have this intentionality now that is like um not even a true self or like it's not about genuineness it's like it's about capacity it's about like uh, like um it's it's opening this kind of self-love that that is uh, hard to explain yeah. <laughs> i think i think there is a a genuineness, Ge genuine, genuine. I give up. Genuine, <laughs> genuine genuineification. Yeah, there's a, like in true, true honest humbleness, in true humility, you really realize, I am nothing. Hmm. I'm, this heartbeat is going without my say. Those thoughts, they just came to me. I am absolutely nothing. And in, in that, uh, repentance, the true sense of repent. In français, in French, uh, une pente is like a, a hill, a hill, yeah, a hill. So repent is to reclimb that hill. But at first, I find we have to, well, I'll speak for myself, I, I had to still to be at the bottom, to, to really acknowledge that, man, I don't know who am I, what I am, what I'm doing, what I'm searching. I don't know nothing, actually. I don't even know how I got here, what it is that is here. And when, when you really um, own, not own that, but really accept that as a fact, actually, you lay down your own basket, and then in pure humility, what is reveal itself. And then, ah, oh, that feels good. <laughs> <laughs> then all the stuff we talked about. Yeah. And then bouncing between and craving then, again. And then the suit comes back. <laughs> you, you put your real days and you go do some tricks. And <laughs> you had a great story. It never where, ends, man. It <laughs> <laughs> never fucking ends. You had a great story where once you said um, the guy was, some guy or a monk was going up the hill to find enlightenment. Uh, you, you can repeat the story. It was a beautiful one. But yeah. But but yeah, you could go for it if you remember it. It was the the okay. Well, I'll go. But um, <laughs> he was okay. <laughs> you convinced me. I'll say. I'm gonna it. butcher it, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. No, I believe in you. But yeah, so he, the the monk was going up the hill to find enlightenment. He heard it was at the top of the hill, and then there's an old man coming down the hill. I think it was a regular man, right? And he was holding a bunch of sticks. And then the monk's like, "Do you know where it is? What the if the enlightenment's at the top of the hill? It's at the top of the hill to be enlightened." And then the old man looked enlightenment. He drops the sticks. 
And then he picked up the sticks <laughs> and kept walking down. <laughs> totally yeah. butchered it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I should have stopped all that. But, but it was perfect. But it's, but it's that. It's, yeah, it's he realized the old man carrying wood looked very wise. Mm. So he asked, he asked the monk before I was going up, because that was it. I'm not going down until I'm enlightened. So he looked at the man and said, you look wise. What is, do you know what enlightenment is? And he dropped the wood. Ah. And what after? Uh, he picked up the wood again. <laughs> it continued on. <laughs> That's it. It's glimpses. Yeah, I had a vision of Vipassana. Um, I was sitting in a park between two streets with cars and houses and whatnot. And then Buddha appeared. Gautama appeared in front of me. Perfect silence, you know. And then someone came out of their house, and I could hear their minds. He's just an asshole. I should have trusted him. And then someone, else, someone else, come out of their, uh, their house. I hope the guy at work is not there today. What? If, and I, you can hear the samsara, like the samsara, you know. And then someone else appeared next to him, dressed like a monk, meditating. And before that, someone else came out of his car, it's like. Oh, I didn't make my cells today. Tomorrow I have to make my cells, and like very like uh, goal oriented, right? And then a monk appeared next to him, meditating. And then Buddha looked at me, smiled, and then I could hear the monk. Oh, I have to be enlightened. I have to meditate more. I have to meditate more. <laughs> I have to come out of <laughs> samsara. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and the funny thing is, Buddha had a little smile, you know. Yeah. And, He's and like this asshole. <laughs> Dropping the wood mm. doesn't mean you don't meditate. It doesn't mean you don't do the work, but you don't carry that load. Mm. Expectations. There. Exactly. You just sit there. You're just there. Not for, even mm. though, you know, but eventually it becomes more a, a joyful, joy, joyful activ- like activity. Mm. You, mm. Know? you play the game for itself, sort of. Like the, it feels no good. More it feels yeah. good to sit with yourself in silence. It's like, oh, thank you. I have an hour this day, today that I can actually... You know, for me at least. I love that though. That submission <laughs> and that <laughs> laughter. Because I mean, like, yeah. there's what's that word? Satori. Like these, you get these moments of enlightenment, and uh-huh. it's like you get a taste. So now you kind of know what to aim for. But you get it's so easy to get trapped in something and to and to get that chatter again. But it's it's like it's it, there's this dynamic where you you want to sustain it. And it's about time. Like you, you talk about creating space. And I really know what that means now through my yoga experiences to really have this kind of, you know, in science, they say space and time are like the same thing. And then if you learn about relativity, it gets very complicated. I'm not going to get into it. But essentially, one doesn't work without the other. And when we're talking about having this inner space, we are kind of talking about having more time, more time in, the, in that silence, more time being able to take a breath without all this, these thoughts rushing in or not adding second secondary feelings on top of the thoughts and just being able to observe them or having more time between reactions so that you have that interruption mm-hmm. uh, like muscle to just be like whoop, 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 whoop. you know like it's a dog almost mm-hmm. and they, they need to be interrupted and then oh okay yeah sorry and then it's like the dog is me though but i'm also training the dog training your mind yeah it gets really weird but it's it's not you it's your mind it's the mind that's it. Otherwise, what's training what? I don't it's, know. It's, a very, it's a only a conditioned pattern in the mind. It has no life in itself, right? 
it's, it, it's like a, a program that you press play. Uh, but yeah, anyway. Oh, I was, I was, I was so. I totally agree, though. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it, it's almost like an entity, like this strange, complex life form that starts living through you or within your ego, like a womb or like a like a parasite. It's when we identify with that, it takes all this strength. Yeah. Right? It starts wearing you like a fucking mask. Exactly. And, and so when, when, when you start really observing as an impersonal thing, even though it's your, it's your own content, you, you, you're, you take responsibility for it, but you're not, uh, there's no identification to it. It's way easier to not actually... Bah, 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 and to mm. not, oh, I feel bad because these thoughts are coming. It shouldn't be coming. I should be pure. All of that conversation goes on top of of just a random worldly thoughts. Mm. Mm -hmm. Now you're having mm. thoughts about thoughts about go. thoughts. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, it's like that a chase. toilet. <laughs> it's like you flush yourself <laughs> down this fucking... You flush the poop. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, if we live in a world of negative thoughts and we also think we are th our thoughts, then we just think we're a negative thought that like the universe is having. And then you just live in that hell like we were talking about earlier. It's the lens you wear. Yes. Dodge that yeah. shit. <laughs> Come on, guys. I, I, so I, obvious. These mechanisms are so deeply in, in rooted. Like, I buy a new, I buy a car. Let's say it's a, I buy a bunch of old cars that I recycle. I go through cars of, after cars. So if I'm driving like a Chevrolet Cavalier, all of a sudden I start noticing Cavaliers everywhere. It's just like, oh, there's the, the shit that's happening on every level and everything you do and every state of mind you're in. You're gonna see everything because mm -hmm. everything is happening in the soup altogether. So it's lens. It's literally lens. You know, if you're in an angry state, the lens you're wearing is anger. You're going to, I love this because I realized when I was younger, I used to find confrontations a lot more in fights and get into like altercations. And I would hear like friends be like, oh, I don't find trouble. Trouble finds me. But that's just the lens that you're having on. And you're just troubles bumping into trouble everywhere you go. And now in my state of life, I haven't had any confrontations with anyone. And I can't even count how long it's been. And it's just most of my interactions with people are smiling and waving and take care of like i have a guy who lives like two blocks away we're on a high how are you basis for like five years and i would take a bullet for this guy i don't even know his name you know and he would do it for me but we just see each other he's like the happiest high you've ever got mm -hmm. and it's like because i guess that's the lens that i'm trying to wear or i'm wearing and that's the lens he's wearing so we're just bumping have you even had moments where you almost got into fights and you kind of diffused the situation or mm -hmm. did it not even get there like it's just I can I can name maybe a handful of times where maybe in driving is the best example where someone would flip me off and I just I'd wave, <laughs> <laughs> but that would actually make them more angry. But it, but you know but <laughs> that, that's that's the kind of fire water I put on the fire. But no, there's been some moments where someone was aggressive and I would tone it down to the opposite energy of just really relaxed, mm -hmm. and they're like they're getting at you, but there's no response, so that that fire is not engaged with another fire. So it, it kind of. It won't solve it. I mean, if we spend a long time together, maybe. But if it was a brief altercation, it kind of just turned into like, oh, fuck off. And then it goes out, you know? I, I mean, again, if we're quoting Buddha, like um, you just refused his gift. So he, That's yeah, he has to keep it. That's it. I, I have a very useful but nasty habit of just mimicking people. <laughs> and like on an energetic level, really being able to just kind of like uh, steal almost. I don't know how to describe it, but it's so much easier... So if someone comes at, at me angry, I'm probably going to come at them angry. But like my logic is I can diffuse it better that way because I'm matching them. But there's a point of no return with anger. There's a point where the emotions take over. And if I try to match them, I'm going to lose myself. I'm going to go into mm -hmm. my own 
you have tunnel to go through the whole cycle before you become neutral again. I, it, that, that's the, I, there's a word for this too, but the, the, I asked you about it earlier when you were talking about uh, the, your mom's murder. And mm -hmm. um, the, I asked you if there's like a choice. And you said no. And that surprised me. I mean, this is a, I can't relate. I mean, I don't know what you went through. I but thought you mean if, if I made a conscious choice. That is, yeah. Because I, I didn't make a conscious choice, but I'm sure once you're aware, there's a choice. Like, once you see, once you see the, the, the hot fire, you have a choice to put your hand. Or at least if you still, it's still pulling you too much. And it's like, um, there's a story, a guy comes out of his house and walks, mm. falls into a black hole. And he, he's stuck there. It's all dark, and it takes him two weeks to come out of that. And when he comes out of that, it's sweating and tired. And, and the week after, he comes out of his house and oh no, falls again in the same hole. And, oh, shit. Okay, no, I've been here before. Hold on. So it takes him only one week to come out of that same hole. And then the third day, he comes out. Oh, the hole, the hole, the hole. Oh, no, 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 no. Then he falls to that. <laughs> and then, oh, okay, no, no. He, climb, he climbs right away out. And the fourth day, <laughs> takes another street. <laughs> so so sometimes we know and we still go and it's like it hasn't burned enough and that's, that's, some, that's how we learn sometimes that's it like the <laughs> a lot of us i i feel i'm very good at kicking myself and like that second time it might have taken me longer to get out but it's like he had that moment that's what i mean by the choice sort of it's like i literally feel it it's like you're gonna take the drug You're going to take the easy way out and get pissed and blame everything around you? Or you're going to do something and just, it's almost like ignoring. It's like, okay, I feel all these things, but like, what am I going to do now? Like, what now? Just mm -hmm. a simple question. What now? And I, I, maybe it's in retrospect because I am hard on myself and I'm, I'm lying to myself, but I really feel like I always come across a moment where I get to choose and, and I, You know, it sucks, but sometimes I take the wrong way and I, and I fall back into that fucking hole. <laughs> we stay in, in this hole when we stab ourselves in the back after making that choice even longer. That's it. If the quicker we could go, okay, no, there's no point of flattering myself. That's fine. I made that choice. Okay, now I choose again right now. And always that opportunity, the last chapter of A Course in Miracle is choose again, choose anew. So every mistake women we make, we can learn again from them. And we can cho choose very quickly. I made a wrong choice. Oh, I should have. What am I thinking? I'm reading all these books. I should, I should know better. No, enough. Right now, I choose again. Boop. Okay, mm. thank you. And so you still have to listen. You don't need to suffer more to receive the teachings and the wisdom from a, from a, from a decision, you know? You, sometimes before in ceremonies, when I started... Um, teachings comes and like oh you know you, you feel like a piece of crap and, uh, <laughs> I, i did that or acted this way you know? mm. but now if there's a teaching that comes and we all know this <laughs> but now if a teaching comes it's more like ah okay thank you yes thank you mm. i'll choose again there's no point of it yeah like when you if you have a, a son or a daughter When you tell, you don't want you don't want them to feel guilty if you're correcting whatever you know. No, it's just to to teach you. You don't want them to feel bad after about it. So same for us. Right? Yeah, it's funny that the guilt kind of undercuts the lesson. In my case, I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but it's it's like I was talking about RAM before. Like I'm literally just wasting time and energy. It's rumination. It's like mm -hmm. oh, the past. I want the past to be different. Like, what are you going 
about it. <laughs> Again, like, mm. it's not pragmatic. The past is cool and there's a bunch of lessons and stuff, but to stay there, you're literally like building a room and chilling in it. And yeah. it's like, and then locking the door and then being like, and then crying about it. And then but the, it's like, you did this. <laughs> then the past just keeps getting bigger and bigger as you live in there. You know, you're not in the present. So you're missing the present and the present's translating into the past. So that, that mm. past timeline that you've imprisoned yourself and it's just getting bigger and bigger the regret grows because it's this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy you're yes. taking more energy out of the moment and essentially surrendering your power to your your negative emotions yeah. that's yeah. why for me it's very important to be vigilant to always mm -hmm. act out of my heart and if something slips and i act out of a reaction or i correct it right away i say either i'm sorry i shouldn't have said this way or to all right away, boom, clear that debt. <laughs> debt. Yeah, that's ninja, man. So, so that way you don't carry anything, and and you, it, every day, every day, every day, and in the Bible also it says put God before everything else, and God being truth, being peace and love. If you really, really put that before everything else in your life, then your life will be beautiful. You will grow in wisdom. You will grow in loving compassion. You will grow in clarity. You will have amazing friendship. Everything will come from your first um, intention or, or uh, um, purpose, like your first direction. And at first it takes, it takes faith because you don't know that you don't know. Like There's so many things in the shadow. It's so dark. You, you can't see really clearly. So you have faith. You have beliefs and stuff. But eventually when the light starts coming through the windows... And then the breeze comes through the window and then the door gets opened up. It gets so bright and then you understand the scriptures, you mm. understand uh, the masters and you understand your own uh, laws, the laws of creation, the laws of nature. And then you know that when you, when you transgress, oh, you see that in English? When you uh, transgress? Yeah, these laws, you know what's going to happen. Oh man, okay. Uh, now I need to make a man. I need to correct that, you know? So it becomes very clear. Uh, and sometimes life throws some hard decisions and sometimes we we fuck up. And sometimes yeah. sometimes uh, Diego used to say there's a mantra. Sometimes life sucks. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's hard to be a human being. Sometimes it's hard, man. You're tired or you, whatever. You go through a breakup, those hurts, you know? We all know that someone you love passed away. It's hard for everyone, so we can you can hold each other in that also. You know, yeah, that's the that's the light at the end of that tunnel. I find a lot of people forget and they and they feel they're suffering extra because they think they're like alone, and then they start creating this separation and and a lot of like. Uh, it just turns into bitterness and bitterness can be, it can kind of morph into sadness or anger like really quickly, but mm -hmm. it's this kind of like, why me? And then it, you start forgetting we're all suffering. We're all having these moments where we freak out. Uh, there's, there's videos on YouTube that are like montages of rich people saying money did not help my depression. <laughs> they're just, they're just literally one after the other. Like it doesn't fucking help. You know, they've done studies and shit. If you have like, you know, 70 grand a year, then at least you're you're not worrying about your bills kind of thing. And that helps. But, mm -hmm. you know, there's a point of diminishing return. Yeah. You got a few yeah. million, a few trillion. Yeah. Bezos is getting a divorce, you know, like let's put things into perspective. Yeah. 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 There's poorness and rich. Like it's 
there's poor people in richness. I always say that, like, <coughs> and in, in, in rich, there's richness in being poor. Yeah. Like yeah, you can whatever you got, you can use for your own growth. If you're poor, you can use that to grow. If you're rich, you can use that also for you know to grow also. If you if you realize, you know. it's it's tough though because I feel like a lot of those people know that they're not growing anymore with it, which means they'd have to give it up. They'd have to remove it from their lives, and they're not going to do that because everyone's going to think they're nuts. <laughs> it depends. Some, some people that, some people are billionaires and they're fully detached about it, and that's why they got millionaire because they weren't afraid of losing it mm-hmm. in the first place or, or lacking it. It's like a mind state. It's the blueprint for them. I quote Joe Rogan because he's making a killing in everything he's doing right now, but he calls the money now is just fun tokens. And that's how he looks at it. There's no attachment to it. It's just they're allowing him to have do more of what he wants, but it's not... No, he's not attached to the to the stockpile. Or maybe he is. I don't know. But that's what he puts out there. You mm-hmm. know, Just fun tokens. Yeah, it could be easy to fall in a trap where, oh, if I'm spiritual, I have to be poor, or money is bad, all of that is very... Uh, you can outgrow that pretty quickly when you look into your own self and realize where those you know are coming from. But I watched yeah. a video. This guy's explaining that m- you can look at money as an energy transfer, and you know whatever kind of service you're providing, it's the exchange is that energy transfer. You're getting what you receive from that person is an appreciation for the energy you both put into it. You yeah. know, someone, uh, someone was talking to me about it uh, as if it was a uh, like a conversation, and I I I, I kind of forgot about it, but it made me. Th- you ever just hear something and then your your mind like chews on it for a long time? Like it really blew my mind. Like it made me look at conversation as a transaction and and value and like deposit and 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 like overdrawing sometimes, you know, when you lie or when you overreach or kind of say something you shouldn't. Like like and it made me look at money as a kind of form of communication. Like the the what am I being uh rewarded for in my daily life and my actions? How much and then how am I using that? And who am I essentially representing? Or who am I, um, what's the word? When you, like if I give money, if I patronize someone, like who am I uplifting? Uh, there's a better word, but like who am I mm-hmm. giving my, kind? Of, it's like a voting also. Like I'm giving power. I'm going, I want this. Like boycotting, like the opposite mm-hmm. of boycotting. I could literally withdraw that, that form of communication. And I'm very directly saying I don't want you to, like I don't want your business to exist or I don't, I don't believe in your 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 product or whatever and it i i still now i don't even know what i'm getting at i just know that there's like a truth in there that i want to pull out and it's like you you touched on something big for me because there's this kind of um i grew up watching like you know saturday cartoons and all the bad guys were rich evil (laughs) for some reason that's always connected and Maybe that's a little true in real life sometimes, but uh, what you said I'm sure is true. I've, I've met a lot of people on both sides, you know? Uh, Eckhart Tolle was, like, essentially achieved enlightenment because he was uh, poor, because he was uh, homeless. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of people who are crazy rich, and they're doing a lot of good in the world, and mm-hmm. they're giving up a lot of their riches, and they're, they're finding a way to stay measured, and... It's not ignoring the fact that they they have a bajillion dollars, you know, and and like you said, it's there's kind of an energy of manifestation. Yeah. So they they've probably made that money because they they're more they followed what was there for them, just like everyone does. Yeah, and I think bottom line, money is is completely meaningless. Is what you put the meaning on. Obviously, we live in such abundance in these days, 
like you turn and you have water and you turn the other one you have warm water you know <laughs> we have fruits there that comes from all over the world and we have food we live like kings used to live yeah so everyone has their own for me i, I love simplicity you know i love not having too much up there to, to to think of and to do or to even though i i'm always in action but I'm, I don't feel any chasing, having more. There's, there's not, there's no urge for the for that in me. Mm. Um, and some people, I'm sure, they're billionaires. They don't even have that either. They just do what they love to do, and it happens to create that kind of yeah. fortune, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I used to make. I was 19 when I did my first movie, and before that movie, I was working picking up garbages, and then. I got in that movie and I was making sometimes like five thousands a day for six months, <laughs> sometimes less, sometimes more. I did like a thirty thousand in one week at one point, and I just turned nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> and then the produ <laughs> producer, Mike Tadros, like a big Italian producer from Hollywood, he was with uh, his assistant, a woman, and he pointed at me because I was I was the youngest one on the set. It's like, hey, you come come here, like a uh, shoot. I go home with my skates on. Yes. How old? Uh, how old are you? Uh, I, and I couldn't really speak English super well. So, well, I'm, I'm 18. I just turned 19, actually. How much are you gonna make on my movie? <laughs> like I don't know, like almost 200 grand. And he's like, "Well, you must be a happy kid, huh?" And I said, "Well, you know, I was happy before, and I'll be happy after." And he was silent for a <laughs> second. His assistant said, whoa, I like this boy. <laughs> 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 he didn't fire me. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's a, that's, uh, that's a surprising answer, dude. You had a... It's not even like foresight. Like if I won the lottery, I would I would feel like I just turned into a werewolf. I'd be like, okay, lock me up. Like <laughs> we need to we need to call somebody. Like I can't be trusted. Like there's all those stories of people blowing their money, kind yeah, of thing. I'm sure yeah. they didn't plan that. You know, I've never needed much, and and I prefer it that way as well. I almost take it as a weakness. Again, I'm just hard on myself, but it's like I'd rather have less to worry about. I'd honestly like I I really resonate with what you said. Like it's just I'm okay without it. More, more money, more problems. You know, it's <laughs> the truth. We all know the song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not everyone feels that way, but like you, you, it's like oh, it's like wisdom came out of you at, at a age where they did, weren't expecting it. They were like, "What the, who the fuck is this kid?" <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I don't think I felt that way when I was when I was that age. Uh, it's money. Money is synonymous to freedom in this fucking society, and I think that's where that evil gets itchy. But yeah, but I mean. It, like I, I have enough to be comfortable, like you said. Like it takes away a lot of stress, and then, like a single mother, mother raising two kids, uh, trying to ma to make the, the the end of the month meets. That's that's tiring. That's hard, you know. So money can actually give you a break in that sense. Um, so I'm not saying we should all strive for poverty or anything like <laughs> that. You know, obviously, uh, yeah. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you remind me of this. Um, there's this guy I made in India, and he like just this one action has changed my life. But like he just stops himself. Like I'll I'll rant, man. I'll talk. I'll talk myself into a hole and then out of it. I love that. It's a gift and a curse, you know. I mean, we're the, we got the mics to yeah. prove it. Uh -huh. But this guy would be in the middle of a sentence, and then this 
this cultivated space would come in, you know, this Christ consciousness would crack his brain in half and he would just like suddenly realize that he doesn't need to be saying this. And without, with, through, through, for no benefit of, of us, he would just stop talking and, then, and I'd be like, what were you going to say? Like, <laughs> like this OCD kicks, I'm like, what were you going to say? He's like, it's not important. <laughs> and then he would just, he, like sometimes he would completely just ignore, like the, we would just stop following up essentially. <laughs> like we would just know that that was not meant to be said and he's not going to let it out. Like it doesn't matter if you bother him, like you're going to piss him off maybe or like lose him as a friend. He's going to be like, you care about this thing I was going to say that you don't even know what it was. Like it's just a fucking tunnel, you know, like it's <laughs> pointless. But it, that just that his action was so odd and it, it, it like wrinkled my brain. Like it gave me a new way of seeing things. I feel like I got to double down all the time when I make mistakes. And the truth is you got to and back away. Back away. And I don't know, man. It's mm-hmm. it's not it's not in me yet. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but it's getting there. Hey yeah. guys, it's getting there. <laughs> Don't worry so much that, about me. <laughs> that's the progress. Yeah, no, it's it's starting to show. I mean, it shows. It comes and goes. We talked about it as well. There's waves. Mm-hmm. That's the part that's really giving me a kind of inner freedom and inner sense. It's like nothing is sure. You could feel really angry tomorrow. You could die the day after. You could win the lottery, lose all your money, COVID this. You know, trump that. Yeah. Something inside, deep inside, is always relaxed. And I just got to tap into it. Yeah, boy. Well put. It's, it's, yeah. it's the biggest yeah. thing I've realized lately. And it's Sometimes when I work in Peru and retreats, facilitating retreats, I tell people, you, you never know what kind of experience you'll have with ayahuasca. It's always different. But the place of seeing is always the same. And if you tap into this, no problem. And if you lose yourself, uh, I might come and see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that kind of like a vibrating? Do you think you have like a really um, clear sense of that space so you can kind of come and reintroduce that to them? Or is it more direct? More, no, it's more making a joke. Okay. Uh, I don't have that power. <laughs> It's easy. Just sometimes, just being present with someone and bringing them back to their breath, just by making a sound like, then they—that's all it needs, you know. It's it's subtle but technical. You yeah. you are giving them kind of like a trigger, uh-huh. just a three D physical. Them back it's to it's their like body. grounding. Yeah, bringing them back yeah. to their body to hear. Uh, and some people have different techniques. Some people throw agua forita on their hair, and some people do things, and uh, yeah. So that it's good to go back to that place that mm-hmm. doesn't change, is relaxed. You know, it's always whatever is happening on the dynamic aspect of life. This always remains somehow. And the more we abide there, the longer we stay there, the more it gets ingrained in our natural vibration. The more, uh, right? Yeah, I mean, I I've had that feedback from people that, I guess after the vipassana, after ayahuasca and all this stuff is just like from people I maybe I I'm not close with, but are friends with people I'm close with. They're like, oh, I like that guy's vibe. It's just a, it's a nice vibe to be around. I just feel very relaxed, and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just <laughs> I'm just I feel like I'm just having a conversation or whatever. But it's it just like Gwenka says it like it starts to ooze out of you eventually, mm. and then that's like. If you want to look at it as like a as a physical thing to see, it's like it's like it's just the wave is going wider and wider, and 
it's going to affect more and more people as you work on yourself more and more, mm-hmm. you know? I find it reveals a lot, though. It's, it, I mean, you're essentially, like, uh, in your truth, if you want to put it that way. And then there might be a lot of pain there because there's a lot of lies being lived in that moment. And then a lot of choices are suddenly in your face about mm-hmm. perpetuating or yeah. eliminating those mm-hmm. those lies, those choices. That's continuing what choices. What you touch, what you're touching on, is very important. Actually, there's a pain. Okay, so to be with ourselves fully and to inquire and to make that work is painful. You have to face everything and open up everything and heal everything in you. But at least it's a pain that leads to freedom, not to more pain. Mm. Tich Natham used to say, "If you're seeking truth and you haven't find pain, you haven't find anything yet, mm. right? Because we all carry the pain in the world in ourselves." When those, when our heart opens up and you start feeling the suffering within our own and the suffering of the world, which is pretty much the same to different levels, of course. But I remember bawling my out, my eyes out for for hours, you know, and almost the point I'm gonna puke, you know, it's so intense. Uh, but that's a suffering that leads to freedom. Uh, so, like uh, trauma uh, survivors, people that have big traumas. Uh, they, some of them don't even feel their bodies. They're, do, they're so dissociated with the sensations because the sensation is frightening. Mm-hmm. So they've cut up from their sensations and they're numb. Uh, and when they start going back to the sensation, it's frightening for them because it brings back memories and everything you're talking about. But the more we practice and the more we allow that to be and the more we become comfortable with our own vibration, then we restore a sense of home. That vibration becomes your home, your house, where you can abide wherever you go in the world. Your house is is comfortable. So reclaiming your house, uh, although it can be hard, but it's the most fulfilling thing a human can do, you know? Otherwise, we chase distractions or we chase accomplishments or whatever that, that can be, mm-hmm. which will never, never give us that sense of home. The heart home. The heart home, yes. The comfortable in my skin, that's an expression, right? I'm comfortable mm-hmm. in my skin. So to always be aware of our sensations and, you know, and it's, it makes a, a grounded person and makes someone that is present. I never saw it that way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's there's no fear in that pain. It's a different kind of pain. It's mm-hmm. the, all the distractions that you were talking about, those are reactions of fear. Those are distractions. We're trying to block something mm-hmm. that's coming in, and it's coming in. If you're trying to block it, you're yeah, you're gonna lose. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I mean, eventually you'll be sick. You'll become sick. Exactly. Your body will say, "Hey, <laughs> this is start." malfunction and then you start to have this disease or that because it's it has to you know it has affects to so much the nervous <laughs> system is so jacked up eventually yeah sometimes man i don't know we've been talking for like three hours yeah i feel should, like we could go we forever should, we should end on a good note <laughs> that was a bit of <laughs> well i i mean it's it, not on a good on a light note yeah it's yeah that's good, it yeah. Look, i mean it's 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 liberating to know that the fear or the pain is normal. So it's like, it's not comforting in a direct sense, but it's comforting in the sense that your discomfort is normal. 
So there's a kind of like a... <laughs> I would argue, oh, add that it's impermanent, the pain that you're feeling. That is a very good point. Yeah. I feel like that's a cop-out. I don't know why. Not, I want to be brave and like, yeah. like, you know, when you jump into the cold L- water. Let me say, though, what, just that, it's the not, that as much as you think it is, that your life is impermanent. So whatever's happening in your life <laughs> is impermanent regardless. You know? Yo, my friend Kyle, okay, <laughs> Kyle, I know you're listening. I love you. He's, he always says, like, no matter what problem's going on in the world or something, and your life and in his life, his family's life, it doesn't matter. It's all people, right? It's all concept. It's all us. There's no problem in the universe. It's just our concept of perfection. And so he says, it's cool, man, you're going to die. And then it won't matter. It's not just you're going to die like a, like, a, like, a, like a one-off, you know? He's saying like, no, no, you'll be dead. And then everything you're holding on to now will essentially not exist yeah. or inform something else. You won't be here anymore. You'll be something else or you'll be nothing else. That's it. Figure it out. And then it's like, and maybe you'll think, but everyone else who's still alive here will be sad because I'm dead or blah, blah, blah. It's, it's like, it's okay. They'll be dead too one day. <laughs> He just goes down this kind of chain. It's like this reverse ancestry logic. You know, I, I take a lot of power now from ayahuasca, from realizing that I am here because of all that stuff. We've talked about it a few times already mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. conversation. And him, it's like he's doing it backwards. He's saying we're all, it's the great equalizer. That's what death is called. And it's like, it doesn't just equalize us. It equalizes everything. It's mm-hmm. a bulldozer. There's just this kind of non- nothingness that is maybe... Maybe it's not a coincidence that it, it's the thing that kind of brings us that inner peace. We're talking about holding that thought in. The fact that we're going to end makes this precious. But it also makes like everything into nothing in a weird way. Mm-hmm. So it's like we tap into that nothing in a kind of direct way. And we become more a little bit more one with the universe. Because now it's like a part of us that was pretending to be alive is like, no, you're dead. Like your you're, you're seal, you're deal is sealed. And there's a really weird truth and freedom to that. That I, That's a little soapy. It's a little slippery, but I don't know. It doesn't necessarily, like, you, you know, we were saying, we were joking, like, let's end on a light note. <laughs> Truths are kind of a, a, like a spinning coin, I guess, you know, and we're just choosing a side, but there's good and bad to everything. If you, if you run the story long enough, so, like, just choose to be happy is, like, like, what's the lesson here? <laughs> like, I don't know, just choose to be happy. It's, it's, it's like this thing I've been trying for, for a while. I learned from you. I learned from him. I, 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 I'm able to practice it. I'm able to kind of let what's happening to me be impermanent. Because it is, but like an understanding that it is. And then suddenly I can like shift into another energy. I don't have to stay angry. I don't have to stay sad. Mm-hmm. And th- these are big for me. I'm not saying this lightly because I get angry. I get sad, man. And to stop myself and to say, you don't have to feel this way. You can feel another way. All the reasons why you feel that way, everything mm-hmm. that's piling up, all the, all the logic, all the, the, no, no, this is reality. I'm sure of it because I feel it. You could flip it like a switch almost. I mean, it's a, bun- it's a few switches. It takes time if you're being honest, but it's like. You have that power. Yeah. That capability. And it's funny because I just do it by talking to myself. And walking myself through it in a kind of logical sense, and the emotions follow. Mm-hmm. And that makes me realize that I'm not noticing how I'm talking to myself before that. There's just the momentum, like we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a, <clears throat> a friend that came for a breath work, and he was breathing in happiness, health, 
gratitude, love, you know, and going on and on. And I let him do his thing, and he came for the next time. And I said, I understand what you were doing, and I let you know I let that happen. It was beautiful, and it was. But there's a place maybe now you can open up, or I invite you to 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 feel that there's a place in you that is not seeking happiness, that is not wishing health or anything. There's a deeper awareness beyond the one that wishes this and that and this. Not not saying this is wrong. As a human being, we all wish happiness, health, and that's totally fine. But maybe you can explore that too, you know. So the the urge of, oh, maybe I don't have to be sad. I can be happy. Fine, perfect, if that helps. But also there's a place where, oh, this sadness is so deep and rich. I'll, I'll just be with that now. And then even I'll be with that now is too much at that point. It's just what is now, that sensation. And so there's no trying to change that. There's no trying to push it away. You just you just are with that and as that. And then it moves. And then it integrates. And then it becomes you you uh, you connected to to that. And also sometimes I, say, oh, I don't feel like being sad. What do you mean? Let's be happy. Fuck it. It's fine too. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love the distinction though, because it's like the body talking to the body. But there is this deeper thing and I can hear my brain going, but how does it work? How can you be happy and sad at the same time? Is it like another layer of you? It's just questions, questions, questions. Like if I, if I had tattoos, one of them would just be question marks <laughs> piling out of my ears onto my shoulders. Like it is there. Uh-huh. I don't know why. I don't know. How it, yeah, and I like how you said it moves. It's like, a, it's like it's like you're like, Whoa, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and, and what's funny is when, it, when, it, when you lose it, there's... All the practices suddenly are necessary. All the, mm-hmm. all the contextualization, all the mm-hmm. philosophy, all the forgiving, and everything. Because you literally just got to go and then just find it again. Mm. I don't. Again, I don't know what these analogies mean, but I, a hundred percent agree. There's just, there's just a seat, and it's just waiting for your ass. Just sit, bro. Just sit. Mm. Brother, that's a higher note. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you for coming yeah. on, man. That uh, was it was an <coughs> honor and a pleasure, man. It was likewise. This was beautiful. Thank you guys. I think we did like three hours. I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, two, now, now I drive equanimously in the traffic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this you know what though? At least because it's gonna be fucking hot in that car. <laughs> I don't have any AC, but like it's hot in this room, bro. You fine? I'm I, great. No, I just know yeah, because you're in the sauna yeah. all the time. <laughs> Yo, yeah. man, yeah, thank you so much, man. Yeah, it's yeah, fucking pleasure, dude. It was, I was, pleasure, it was just man. good seeing you again, honestly. Yeah, like, I just really forgot nice how much you. fun I had. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> the, the, you know, we talked about energies and shit, and, like, you definitely got, like, a bubble, bro. Like, uh, I don't want to fluff your ego, but, like, you're, you have something inspiring. Uh, and thank, uh, you. thank you, man, thank you. honestly. Can't wait to see you again. Yep. Yes. So All right. Stay curious, motherfuckers. <laughs>